All right, so you got your beer? Yep. I got a nice Belgian white. Excellent. I, I also have that. How how, oh, how, yeah. how, how apropos. <laughs> yeah. I think that might have more to do with the time that we're recording this than anything else. At least for me. Yeah, fair enough. Because uh, <laughs> that's, that's, there that's aren't your... any imported beers anymore. Oh, really? I, I, I can only find bottles of imported beer, and I prefer cans. Do you, uh, where do you get your beer? Food Lion. I mean, I don't oh. look like a beer store or anything. So okay. it's just like... There's no selection anymore. It's terrible. So okay, so you, you aren't going to like like Total Wine or something where No, 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 no. I pick up a case every week when I go shopping and that's it. Okay, that's fair enough. I guess that makes sense. Well, I am also yeah. I'm drinking the uh the the Belgian wit beer that that I brewed. So Oh, okay. Well, that's special. That is special. I feel like I'm getting down to the end of the uh of the keg and um whenever that happens, I always play this very worrying game. Uh, that I, I call beer uh, beer keg roulette, where um, every time I, I pull another uh, pull another beer off the keg, I'm like, is this going to be the one that's the end of it? And then I have to go clean the keg. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, I try not to, uh, like, you know, under maybe, like, you know, at the beginning of the keg, I might have, like, a beer or two, um, you know, during the week. But once I, I'm starting to get towards the end of the keg, I start thinking, Oh boy, do I really want to have to clean this keg in the middle of the week? Do I really want to have to clear my beer lines in the middle of the week? I don't think I really want to. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, you you have to also clear the line. I mean, doesn't it get I mean, isn't leaving it disgusting anyway? I mean, What do you mean? Like the longer it sits there, isn't there just more air in the container at that point, or is that not how kegs work? No, it's not. Okay, so let me, uh, let you know. Uh, I, I didn't yeah. think we were going to jump right into it, but uh, you know, let's, you jump, know, let's right jump right into, into let's jump into beer kegging for a moment. Um, you know, and uh, I might want to bullshit with you a little bit before we we get like heavy into the rest of the beer topic. But yes, uh, I agree. But yeah, no, explain to me how kegs work. Let me explain to you. Don't know. Absolutely. Okay, so basically, a keg, well, a kegerator, which is what I have, is essentially it's a mini fridge which you put a keg into, you could put whatever, I mean, as long as the keg physically fits in the mini fridge, you could basically put whatever you want into it. Um, and so, and then it's got like, you know, whole, a hole cut through the top for, um, you know, uh, a tap basically. And then you have a hole that's out the back for a CO2 line. And so, okay. you know, I have a CO2 canister, like a, like a, I think it's like a seven pound CO2 canister out the back. And there's, so a keg basically has two, um, like two, they're called posts. Um, there's an in post and an out post. Um, the in post is gas. The out post is beer. So you, ah. yeah, exactly. So basically you put the keg <laughs> on the, you know, you put the CO2 on it and then you hook that to the in, you hook the liquid to the out and the liquid of course goes to the tap. And so as, uh, you know, as beer comes out of the keg, CO2 goes in and there is never any air. And in fact, the first step okay. of actually kegging a beer is you purge the uh, you purge the um, the oxygen from the headspace. You basically add CO2, like burp it, add CO2, burp it, add CO2, yeah. burp it so that there is physically no air because air is the enemy of beer, as I yeah, will I say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as I will opine on numerous times during this podcast <laughs> so wait how but is that how like a what about a regular cake like you'd get at like a party is that I have just, no idea you have to drink that whole thing i actually have no idea having never 
purchased a yeah. keg on my own for a party and had to be responsible. I mean, I've drank out of kegs at parties, but never having been the person who's responsible for them, I actually have no idea how they work. I think I might have seen a keg in real life once, <laughs> but I've never had anything from a keg. I have had a keg at a party, I think maybe twice. Um, and honestly, it was seemed like it was more hassle than it was, notwithstanding people's homebrew. Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. That's different. That's different. Um, but, like, an actual, like, I bought a keg of Heineken, I think, once for sure. It seems like a weird thing to do when you could just buy cases. It's, honestly, it was it was really inconvenient. Like, that was the one, like, big takeaway for me was, like, this, like, it was a pain in the ass because every time that they tried to, you know, like, get it, like, like carbonated properly or whatever, or whatever they were trying to do. Like, it, it wasn't worth – and maybe that was the thing. Do you have to have a CO2 canister? I'm trying to remember if they if they had, like, a little CO2 canister to run the yeah. keg because you do Your need... description of how keg works makes me think that you'd have to have some manner of You must gas. because you need pressure in the keg for anything to come out of it. It's not like – I mean, it's not gravity-fed. It's, you know, it's fed yeah. by CO2. So I think there, there – you know, there must have been, like, a little CO2 canister somewhere or even wow. a big – Excuse me. A big one for yeah. all I know. I mean, you have to rent kegs, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that you don't need a CO2 canister to run a keg I, or, or a nitro yeah. canister, as the yeah. case may be, like if you're doing like Guinness or something. And uh, that's a whole different can of worms. But uh, are kegs like an American? I mean, uh, are kegs like a North American thing? Um, or like, is Europe big on kegs? It seems like yeah. parts. I mean, I'm sure fucking Great Britain is. Well, I mean, you know, like. Everywhere is big on kegs in the sense of, like, if you're serving beer, you're serving it probably oh, out, out of, of a kegs, ke- of course. Yeah, that's how bar- – yeah, duh, God. Yeah, so, you know, but, like, kegs at parties? I don't know. That, to me, feels – has yeah. the feeling of a North American thing, but that just might be my bias. Because red cups, like, having, like, plastic cups at a party is an American thing. Yeah. Like, strictly. But, like, yeah, every time – like, I mean, the I, – I say every time. Like, the one or two times that, you know, somebody had a keg at a party, I just remember the beer being super foamy because they could never get the carbonation right and – or, like, the serving pressure right, and it was just, like, a whole thing. Which, again, okay. this leads me to believe that there must have been – Yes. Yeah. There, there just has to be because otherwise – how could it work? It literally yeah, so needs pressure. <laughs> huge pain in the ass just by cans. Yeah. So – but for the, the purposes of beer brewing, um, a keg – is the best it is the best because bottling is an enormous bitch (laughs) oh that's but those are the only two options is bottling or kegging i mean you could also can your beer but again you're you're running into the same problem same same a level of bitchiness yeah okay let's take one small pause here yes (laughs) so before we get super into it because man we jumped right the fuck in um which is rare for us um well i think that's because i have a coffee next to me this time i'm a little more jesus christ you got coffee and beer yeah, man. Well, you know, one thing to keep me up and one thing to bring it down. Nice. So you got to balance keep, those psychoactive chemicals. Got to keep it even. Um, <laughs> so uh, so what have you been up to? Uh, well, um, I actually had a pretty uh, good couple weeks. Oh, yeah? Yeah, well, I, uh, nothing like just entertainment medium related. Nothing particular in my actual life. But um, I, I started reading this really good book series. Well, really good. It was a pretty good book series. Uh-huh. But the important part was it, it got me back into... Uh, like fantasy reading, mm-hmm. and that got me back into like magic systems. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so that managed to pique my interest to bring this all full circle to uh, a game called Arx Fatalis. Okay. Which um, it was actually there was the big Bethesda sale. Okay. Uh, going on last week, mm-hmm. and it was like it was two bucks because it was released in two thousand two. 
Uh, and it's by the same people who did, like, Prey and uh, Dishonored. Oh, okay, so Arcane Studios. Arcane, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it's their, like, first version of the Dark Messiah game, I guess you could say. Oh. Like, if you ever played the Dark Messiah game yeah, they we, released? We, yeah, we played Dark, Dark Messiah Might of Magic or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one where you could kick people into spikes. Yes, exa- yes, that one. That <laughs> game. So it's, like, it's the older version of that game. Oh. Uh, without kicking into spikes. Yeah. And with a, like dark souls-esque level design instead of just strictly separate levels and what's it called uh, arcs fatalis why have i have i heard of that i don't even know if i've yes, heard of that you almost certainly have okay it has a really unique magic system okay uh where you know like rune like there's like rune based magic systems in some games where you have like runes that you combine to do magic yes yeah and so it's 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 that it's a successor of that system which is originally like ultima uh-huh. apparently which i've never played Okay. Um, but that's like the big successor to all RPG games. So Like Ultima as in like Ultima Online, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, Ultima Underworld. Okay. So the ult okay, yeah. Okay. So the same Ultima, yeah, the Ultima series, series that I'm that I'm thinking of. Okay, got yes, it. Yes, it's that one. The big one. Yes. Uh and so it's just like it's it's a fucking it was such a good game, dude. Like <laughs> it's like I've had I've had trouble finding anything else that was as good as it now. Cause it's like, holy shit. Just like, you know, interconnected world, uh, really cool setting. It's like a Every, like, the sun has gone out. Ooh. And so everyone has to live underground. Um, that sounds really interesting for a yeah, fantasy really, series. I would, and, well, okay, if you are interested in it, I'll, I'll say this disclaimer now. You need the Arx Libertaris, like, fan patch okay. to play it. Because okay. it's one of those games. Okay. It's, 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 it's old and broken. And... It's old and broken. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, and, and that's, so that's, that's, like, that's an interesting setting for a for a fantasy game. You know, like I I because I associate the whole like sun going out thing with so much more like a sci fi setting. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, because yeah. like when I think about like that, it's like it's like oh, people living underground because the sun's gone out. Blah blah. That's always like like nobody acknowledges the sun in a fantasy setting. Yes. It's always like that's always a sci fi thing. And so for yeah. that to be the the setting of a fantasy game, that's actually really interesting. Well, it's 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 crazy because like it. The people in this setting are, like, aware of other planets. Oh, that's really interesting. So they, like it it's, is. It's almost like a half fantasy, half sci-fi setting. But it, it it is kind of half, but there's no, like, there is no high technology. Well, yeah, it's I mean, it would... your fantasy with, like, sci-fi knowledge. It's it, weird. It, it, would be, it would be, like, low sci-fi, I guess. Or, or, yeah, like, very, li- or very light low. sci-fi. Cause like, everyone still lives in castles. Yeah. And there's kings and peasants, but they're also like, oh, yes... The, the the other, like, our planet is dying. Like, this is not good. Interesting. <laughs> um, but the really cool thing is the magic system in that game. Because uh, it's it's room-based, like I said. Uh, but the really cool thing about it is it's an active system. So you actually have to, like, use your mouse to make the rune symbols oh, to it's, cast magic. It's that game. It's that game. Yes. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was I was kind of wondering if you were going to get to that. I was like, yeah, okay, that, that is what it is. Okay. Yes, I, I know about game. I've heard of this game, obviously, as yeah. you said. And and so, like, I never played it in the past because probably, as as you think, like, the mag- that magic system used to be considered, like, broken. Yeah, I think I remember that. That it was like, oh, this could have been really cool, but it was completely do- didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So they've, like, the, the community patch, like, recodes that system to make it like work correctly interesting and it's it's like it's up i would say it's like up there with like you know morrowind for my favorite magic system of any game now really okay that's really nice well because the the thing i find with most rune systems is they're really limited Uh uh-huh it's like you know you can put a fire rune on the ground yeah or you can shoot the fire from your hand 
Or you can, sh like, create a fire barrier around yourself that does damage to people. And it's like, that's it. Yeah. And it's all just elemental flavor. And it's like, in this game, there's, like, there's levitation and, like, repelling undead and, like, bless. Um, there's, like, healing spells using runes. And there's, like, hidden runes, Ooh. which is crazy. So, like, you know, the healing spell is a certain combination of runes. Um, it's Ra Vite. God, I've, I've, I've actually memorized the runes. That's how good it is. But um, what's crazy <laughs> is, like... If you know what those mean, like, Ra is increase and Vitae is life, obviously, right? Okay. So, like, there's a rune for decrease. And if you do that, um, oh, Mega is increase, Ra is the decrease one, whatever. Anyway, if you do the Ra, if you do the decrease one with the life rune, it's like a harm spell. But the game doesn't, like, tell you that. Like, it's just, like, it never puts it in your spell book for you to, like, reference. It's just, like, if you know that, you know it. But if you don't tough shit motherfucker that's really that's really cool actually that's that's fucking like so it's yeah. it, it is literally it's spelling out words essentially with it, the runes and it exactly. actually makes logical wow look at that yeah why hasn't yeah. anybody else done this that's that's yeah. fucking brilliant <laughs> and it makes and it like it makes magic like feel even with combat and stealth as like a gameplay element yeah because like you're in combat and you're literally having to like make these symbols with your mouse as you're trying to avoid getting hit and it's like oh this i feel like a mage like <laughs> I got really good at casting the fireball spell. Yeah. <laughs> just like, that was my go-to. It's just like, this fucking spell, I know off heart, I can do it in combat, that's what I'm using. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess that would make so sense, anyway. too. It's like, yeah, that's what you would do. It's like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know what? I have a rune that I'm really good at. That is going to be my main shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like that. it's like, I had plenty of other spells that were better. It's like, you know, I could summon demons and, like, stop time and shit. Yeah. But, like, those those are harder to do than fireball, fireball, fireball. <laughs> Well, now that you've uh, now that you, you you're itching for another excellent game, maybe you should play Disco Elysium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Disco Elysium doesn't have a cool runic magic system. No, but it has the best writing in any video game ever, and also some of the best writing I've had. Like I've I've okay. read. Like it's it's you that know like good. you know like how people like I'm not the first person to say this. Like this is what everybody has taken away from this. But like you know. People, like, they say, like, oh, you know, like, the writing in that game is good, but, like, good for a video game. This is yes. not good for a video game. Like, this, I think they are going to actually make a Disco Elysium book. And I think that, if I recall correctly, one of the creators or both of the creators are writers. It's it's not well written for a video game. It's well written. It's, like... I mean authors. Authors, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because everyone's a writer. <laughs> well, not everyone. Not everyone can write. <laughs> I apologize to anyone whose career is actually writing, but... You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, you could you could be a typist. Um, Anyone can claim to be a writer. Yes, they are. Yes, I believe they are actually authors and published um, authors, or at least one of them is or something. Um, but that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I really do. I think about it a lot. I I, I want to be really honest. I like every time I'm like, okay, what game do I want to play next? I'm like, I should play Disco Elysium. You really then should. Like, then I'm like, oh, but do I want to like immerse myself in like a really realistic, corrupt political system? You do that. I already live in. Okay. But it's also hilarious. Okay, okay. It's, so it's funny, too? Oh, yeah. And, like, you can, okay. like, the, the choices that you can make, you know, like, you can you can play it really straight and you can play it really serious, but you can also play it hilarious. Okay, that's, okay. See, that's an important, that, that, that actually does make me want to play it more, for sure. Yeah, you, you should 100%. I mean, like, when I played it, um, I played it 
two ways. I, I played it as, like, you know, very, like, serious and, like, you know, down-to-earth the first time. And then the second time, I was like, fuck, I'm just going to make dumb decisions. <laughs> I'm just going to be a meathead. Because, like, the first one, like, I played it like a, you know, kind of like a weak dude that was, like, extremely smart and perceptive. And then the second time, I played it as a dude that, like, was really empathetic and strong, but just dumb as a fucking rock. <laughs> Was, yeah, and the, se- and the second time was more fun. Um, they were both fun. That's the thing. Like, it's it's like neither was, and you get a completely different like because like certain things. I mean, I'm not going to spoil too much for the game, but basically, like, you can raise your stats by being a drug-addled alcoholic. So if you choose not to do that, um, and you choose to actually like you know keep your shit together, um, you kind of you get very different paths through the game. Um, by playing one way or another, because, you know, like the guy that's smart will be able to figure things out that a guy that is, you know, strong will not be able to, but a guy that's strong will be able to, you know, physically like intimidate and like get through certain situations that a smart guy just can't talk his way through, which is like, I played basically two very, very different playthroughs of it. Um, you know, just by changing those stats. And it's just, I mean, like, and then also you could just play an absolute, like, you know, fucking disaster and just drink yourself into a stupor constantly um and and it's just oh dude it's just oh i'm not gonna say too much more like you just 100 percent have to play it like i I can't recommend it enough yes i mean i have it oh you have it good okay because i was about to say i've owned it for forever that's why i'm always thinking about it it's like man i should really just play this game that i own (laughs) yes you should 100 percent oh man well what um, else you've been doing uh so i became hopelessly addicted to sudoku oh that's sad it, yeah, so there's this um, there's this YouTube channel that, uh, due to the coronavirus, uh, became uh, quite popular because people were stuck at home and had nothing else to do. And uh, Cracking yeah. the Cryptic, I don't know if you've heard of it. Nope. Okay, well, it became massively popular, and YouTube, doing the thing that it does from time to time, uh, recommended it to me randomly, and I started watching it, and then I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I guess I'm going to do a bunch of Sudokus now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh my god, yeah, I've uh, I've been spending an inordinate amount of time uh, you know, trying to solve Sudoku puzzles um, instead of making numbers th- add up to other numbers. Yeah, You're doing math, Jason. Yeah, well, I mean, so they had this one right where it's like you know the one that like everybody watched and that like got me into it. It's like basically it was a Sudoku that had like a bunch of extra restrictions, like numbers that are a knight's move away from each other can't repeat a digit, numbers that are diagonal from yeah. each other can't repeat a digit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the the Sudoku had two given numbers and you could solve the entire thing uniquely, and it was like insane. Oh. Yeah, no, I might have seen that, actually. See? I told you. Yeah. 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 I, I did, yeah. So that was... I was like, shit, that's so fucking cool. And so then I started doing Sudokus. Um, so I've been, I've been, I've been up to that. But uh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So and actually, I um, you know, uh, like a couple weeks later, um, I went and solved that because I had like I had already forgotten like what the solution path was for it. And so I was like, can I solve this? And like I sat down and I actually could solve it. It's actually not. It's actually not that hard of a puzzle once you like mm-hmm. start because it's like it just kind of goes. A trick. Yeah, you know the trick. It goes step by step, you know, and it's like so that one and I actually solved another one last night was really interesting. But, um, you know, like some of those ones that have like because like actual it turns out actual just straight up Sudokus are really fucking hard. And actually those extra restrictions make it way easier sometimes to solve the puzzle. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So that's what I've been up to. But I've also been playing um, also been playing XCOM. Oh, that's cool. Actually, wait, before we move to XCOM. Yes. Uh. On the topic of, like, weird puzzle games, uh, just yesterday, uh, I watched, like, a sketch, a James Bond sketch, where he plays, like, you know the game Mastermind? Uh, I've heard of it. Um, it's like, you you have, like, six colors, 
and you have to match like four colors in order. Okay. That have been selected. Anyway, my my, I'm just saying it because um I always hated that game. Okay. It was really stupid. Uh-huh. But yesterday I figured out the trick, just like you were saying. Where it's like, oh, I get it now. I see what you have to do because the, the the game never specifies that you can have multiple colors. Okay. Like, of the same color. Okay. So I finally figured that out last night, and it just made the game way easier. I don't think I've ever seen this game, actually. That's interesting. You've never played it? I, it's pretty... Okay, I'm going to stop it well-known, because you've never heard of it, but... Yeah, just search Mastermind. Uh, no, I've, I've, I've heard of it. I've just... I don't think I've ever actually physically seen what the game looks like. So, yeah, I'm I, sorry. I, I have heard of it. Um, oh, okay. But I've never actually, like... Like, I, like in passing, right? It's like, oh, the, the yeah. board game Mastermind. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know what that is. Like, I had no, there was no mental yeah. image in my head when you said the word mm-hmm. Mastermind, other than yeah, I knew a, it was a board a game board that existed. A board of colored pegs. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And it's just like, you know, I mean, it's exactly what you're saying. Just like, once you figure out the trick to a puzzle, it suddenly becomes a lot easier. Interesting. Oh, have you ever seen that, um, just another puzzle thing? You ever seen that Japanese video with the impossible puzzle that the old guy can't figure out? Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yes. Oh, just like, that. another just like, oh, okay. Like, I see. <laughs> yeah, that stuff is so satisfying. It I really is. I love watching yeah. people solve, especially really hard puzzles. You know, yes. like, that's super interesting for me. Yeah, that stuff is so good. But, uh, yeah. So, XCOM? Yeah, XCOM. Uh... My, uh, speaking of my power going out, um, my power went out while I was playing it the first time, um, corrupted my save about, about an hour in. So I had to start over. Uh, luckily I was just doing the tutorial for the most part. So I actually could start over much further along guys. I basically just skipped the tutorial. Um, then the second time I was like, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to play this. Like, I I think I'm going to play it straight up. Like I'm not going to save scum. And that was a mistake. Um, Yeah, yeah. Don't do that first time. I almost immediately lost like everybody that I had failed almost every single mission. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to start over completely from the beginning. And this time I'm going to save scum the shit out of it. (laughs) Is this your first time playing XCOM? It is. Yeah. Because I mean, so this, this might be hilarious to some people, but you know that, um, you know, Mario and rabbits game on the switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I played through that and everybody was like, oh, that's just like, you know, baby's first XCOM. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll be into XCOM. And you know what? Actually, I mean, I like XCOM. It, it is, it is, it is enjoyable. But actually, I, I found that Rabbit's game to be really fucking good. Like, like to the point where, like, because it, it's got the one thing that I like about it is it's got perfect information. Like in the sense of like you, you, there's no like there's no fog of war. Like you can always see what the enemy is doing, so you don't uh, have to like guess yeah, where the enemy is. Yeah, which I find actually way more enjoyable than having to like like randomly stumble upon enemies. I mean, obviously, like it's you know it's a more realistic, gritty, whatever like uh, thing. Well. But. I mean, you know how we were talking about there's tricks to things like Sudoku? Yeah. There's tricks to XCOM. I'm sure fact, there is. There's one trick. Okay. And when you figure it out, XCOM becomes very easy. W- which is? Overwatch. Everybody but one person every turn. Uh, okay. I mean, I basically do that now. Like, I'm almost always oh, okay. Overwatch. Like, I, I'm almost always Overwatching. Like, I might not necessarily do everybody every turn. You should pretty much on- only move one person. Interesting. Unless you have assaults. Once you get assault, there's a there's an assault skill that allows you to do some crazy shit. And once you have that, the game becomes like an offense-based game. Mm-hmm. But where you are at the start, you need to really play conservative. Yeah, I but found yeah, that very know. early on. That Like, if I move around too much, I just get my shit kicked in. So. Yeah, super kicked in. Um, Snipers and assaults, that's all your team should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and I, I you know, like, I, I gotta get that uh, thing that allows my snipers to actually move. Because it's so fucking annoying yeah. to, like, not be able to shoot for a whole turn. So... Uh, yeah, I know XCOM very well because it was it was all um, 
two of my friends, Chaz and Chandler, would play during college one year. <laughs> like every time I went over to their place, there was XCOM. And they were playing on um, Hardcore or whatever, the Iron Man. Iron Man, yeah. So it was just constant restarts. <laughs> like, okay, we're going to do it right this time. Yeah. It's like they would, they got really good at XCOM. I you bet- can get good at it. Oh yeah, I I am the the skill ceiling I am sure is massive for that game. So you know, no surprise there. I honestly don't think it is. I think it's just like tricks, like, uh, like a few tricks, and you're pretty much you've done it. Yeah, and anyway, I'm st- yeah, that's cool. I'm yeah. still I'm still picking up on the tricks for sure. Because uh, yeah, no, I, it takes a while. Yeah, I I, I I suck at it, but uh, you know that's actually you know I'm not doing I'm not doing horrible though. I'm I'm doing I'm doing much better than my first like couple hours of playthrough, yeah, and like a, now I'm much further game. along. It is a hard game. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm learning that very quickly. And what else? So actually, I finished a bunch of anime. Oh, awesome. Okay, yeah. what, what'd you watch? Okay, so uh, I finally watched Cowboy Bebop. Uh, oh, you would never... What? Really? I never watched it all the way through. Part? I mean, we, we watched it on Adult Swim, like in the middle of the night. Oh. And sure. I think I'd maybe caught like two episodes of it, max. Oh my God, you'd never... Oh my God. So you I watched it in the English dub, right? You know what? I actually watched it in the Japanese, which I I, I, I know afterwards people were like, because I, I looked it up and people were like, actually, you should watch the English dub. Like the English yeah. dub is is really the preferred there's, version there's of it. There's very few animes where you should do that, but that is one of them. Um, yeah. Well, I watched it in Japanese and actually, you know, it was weird at first, but I got I got used to it. Um, yeah. I mean, um, Japanese voice actors are all really good. So they are all really good. Much. I, I, you know, I, I, I do want to watch maybe a couple select episodes again back in the English dub just to see how different Heavy it was. Metal Queen. <laughs> that one is so good in English, dude. Okay, I need. I'll watch that. I was gonna watch the last episode and. Um, oh, uh, you know, uh, mm, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, Latin, sure, yeah, yeah. I was gonna watch that last episode and prop. That's a good. That's another good one to maybe watch back in uh, in the English. I just the. Uh, like, the thing I'd say you get with the English dub is more, like, colloquialisms and, like, accents mm. more than, like, emotion. Like, because Japanese voice actors know how to get emotion in their voices. Like, yeah. And, you know, like, you kind of have to, like, fill in the blanks of the, um, of, of the, uh, like, of the accents. Because, like, you know, the, the dub does give you, like, accents, but it's like, yes. you know, you have to just kind of assume that it's there, even though it's like, yeah. you're just speaking Japanese as far as I could tell. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, dude, all of the cowboy uh, bounty hunter scenes are so good in English. Oh God, I probably have to watch the the one with, yeah, the cowboy bounty hunter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, I 100% yeah. have to watch it. Got okay. to, got to. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, what were your favorite episodes? What'd you think of it? I mean... You know, okay, let me think about this for a second. It, like, it, it, there was a lot less that happened than, like, I thought. I mean, I didn't refer, for instance, I didn't realize it was only, like, 24 episodes or 26 yeah, no, episodes. Yeah, almost nothing happens in Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, um, no, like, in, like, there was, you know, there was, some, like, some, like, odd episodes here and there. But, like, overall, like, I mean, like, you know, at the end, like, I was, like, you know, on the verge of tears. Oh, so, God, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it was just, like, it was... It was not. It was like simultaneously not as good as I remember and better than I remember somehow. Like it was like there are certain episodes where I was like, huh? I was like, I was like, like, like overall in the series, I was like, okay, not as much like not as much happens as I thought happened in this series. And then, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, I was like, there's there's certain individual episodes in there that were like just really, really, really good. I feel like I feel like the like the first like half of the series is excellent um i feel like there's a bit kind of like between like the first half and the last third that drags a little bit 
Um, okay. like I don't the, remember those ones specifically. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's probably why. Yeah. Um, and then it just like the last, the last third of the show is just like a fucking roller coaster. Like, cause I mean, you get you know, like what is it? I mean, you know, it's the like. The last couple, ep- like the last three episodes, obviously are you know huge, mm-hmm. um, and like even like a couple of the episodes before that, I think were quite were quite good. Um, there was a li- like a bit in the middle where I was kind of like, okay, these are these the-. like there was the one episode with like the dude um, and his daughter that was like almost entirely pointless, like where like you know he's uh, like you know uh, he's the the chi master or whatever the whatever the fuck it's called the uh, oh oh yeah 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 that one where he has to like go to a really nice city. Yeah, yeah. Almost nothing happened. I was like, does, did this need to have been an episode? I don't know. But, um, like, otherwise, I mean, yeah. The aesthetic and, like, the tone of that show is just so fucking good, you know? Like, I was just, yes. I, I was just, it was it was great. So, like, I really, really, really enjoyed, like, I really enjoyed it. Even if there was parts that I was kind of like, eh, like, overall, like, the series was great. So, and I have to go back and watch the movie because I think I've seen it, but I need to actually, like, Make sure I've seen the yeah, movie. Yeah, I was about to say, you need to go watch the movie 100%. Did we watch the movie together? I almost thought that we did, but... I'm almost positive I would have showed it to you. Yeah, I feel like you yeah. made me watch the movie, which is, I honestly might have been the second episode of Cowboy Bebop that I'd see, because oh, I was like... Okay. You know, because... You know, yeah, thankfully, it's, it's totally separate, so you can just... Yeah. Well, because I, 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 I've seen the Mushroom episode. That was an episode I recognized, and then I think I'd seen the movie, and I think that's all the Cowboy Bebop I've seen. I might have um, seen parts of the last episode, actually. Oh yeah, well, I, I'm sure that, that that's probably just like adult swim bumps. Yeah, uh, that, um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise the, me either. What'd you think of the Pierre LeFou episode with the guy with the top hat? Uh, that was another one that I was kind of lukewarm on a little bit. Really, you didn't like that one? I, I'm not that's saying I didn't. I'm not saying I. Episode. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I just kind of was like, okay, you know. Well, sure. I mean, yeah, but I mean, so many of the episodes don't have any like point value on the ongoing series oh yeah i mean most of them don't i mean it's almost entirely episodic but um no i don't know like there was something about that episode where i was like i was like you know by the end of it i was like okay you know um i wasn't like amazingly okay, jazzed yeah, about yeah, it. yeah yeah um, yeah the first half of if the episode is the best for sure oh yeah like the first oh yeah but yeah because like by the end i was just kind of like okay um yeah, like you get it yeah heavy metal queen was great um, yes. like the, the, yeah, the cowboy episode was great. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the list of episodes here and you're right. A lot the, the, the first half is very strongly weighted. It is. It's, it's, it's like almost all of like the, like the things that I think of when I think of cowboy bebop, like happen in the first, the first half. And then, then it does. Yeah. It really, it like, it, it kind of grinds to a halt a little bit. I feel like they were kind of like, okay, we, we need to flesh out the series and then get to the end. But yeah, I mean... And I mean, like, oh, you know, man. first, the first, man. like, handful of episodes, too, I mean, are just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, God, it is really, it is one of those series where it just, and the, okay, and the soundtrack. I mean, that's really the standout to me. Oh, God. Well, yeah. I mean, the soundtrack of that show is just, I mean. You know what you get to do now? What do I get to do? You get to go just listen to the soundtrack by itself. Because <laughs> yes. it, like, because um, the seatbelts are, like, an actual band. And so, like, they do... Oh, yeah, like, no, I know. I've listened to the seatbelts. They're great. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Not, oh, sorry, not the seatbelts. What am I saying? Oh, yeah, Yoko Kono and the seatbelts. Wait a second. Yeah, it is the seatbelts, because that's who did the That's who did the first... Uh, yeah, what, wait, what the fuck? What, like the what intro. What's the other... What's the... Oh, shit. What the fuck is the band that did um, the the other uh, Fooly Cooly? What's that band? Oh, that's the Pillows, not the seat. Okay. <laughs> my Japanese anime bands confused. Just ignore me. I'm an old man. <laughs> my damn it, Japanese anime bands. But, Can't figure them out. 
but to um, me does. I also finished. Um, I also finished Mushishi, or at least the uh, the second season, the one that was on Crunchyroll. Um, oh, nice! Which I, I mean, enjoyed. Um, yeah, it's great. And then I'm currently watching Monster, which I will, you know, at a later sure, date, I will. Monster. I, what was that? Oh, you're watching Monster. Yeah, it's oh, cool. I mean, it's great. It's one of the best animes ever made. It's fantastic. I actually, um, I uh, I told the parents about it, so hopefully they'll watch it because it's on. Um, it's on YouTube. Oh God, really? Now, okay, now you're gonna force me to watch it. Yeah. It's great. God. Oh, God. It, it, it's, it's on YouTube in 1080 pizzas. I mean, it's fantastic, you know? <laughs> 90 episodes of, like, tense thriller. I don't know if my heart can take it. Oh, it's so good. All right. Shall we talk about some beer? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about beer, man. All right. So, first of all, you said you were drinking a wit beer. Uh, yep. which, which one? Uh, Blue Moon Belgian White. Uh, of course, yes. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, the classic knockoff. Belgian white. <laughs> yes. The Blue Moon is like a Budweiser or something, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's that or like Miller Coors or something. Yeah, Miller Coors. Uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's, Junk it beer. is not a craft beer. Actually, it's funny. Um, Blue Moon is not called Blue Moon in Canada. It's called Belgian Moon. I think specifically to try and uh, get rid of the association that uh, Blue Moon has in the U.S. of being a fake craft beer. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, specifically trying to hide the fact that it's the same beer. But, like, I, I know, you know. So I was like. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's why we're doing this podcast. you got all yeah, kinds exactly. of beer knowledge. So, I mean, you, you, didn't, you didn't start drinking beer until fairly recently, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, you, you especially have, regularly. I probably only started, like, a year or two ago. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, I mean, we both grew up in a wine household, yes. for sure. Yeah, you know, or Eastern European, or at least half. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. And so, like, came to, I came to, I mean, we both came to beer late in the game, um, yes. you know. Um, so, like, I don't really, like, I didn't really have any beer knowledge from, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, I didn't have any beer knowledge from, like, growing up and, like, knowing anything from, like, I didn't have any associations, I guess, with beer other than it was something my parents didn't really drink. You know, our parents didn't really drink, obviously. You know, and... uh not really something that, like, I had, like, any knowledge about. It was just kind of like, oh, beer is that thing that, like, I don't really, like, understand why people drink it. It's kind of gross, yeah. you know? Um, like, every beer... Yeah, like, every beer that I'd had up to that point was just kind of like, uh, okay, like, I guess. Like, I don't really I don't really get it, you know? Whereas, like, wine, like, I got, because, like, you know, wine, especially the wine that, like, our parents were drinking growing up, it was, like, is like, a little bit on the sweeter side, and it's, like, you know, it was something that, like, was very approachable, you I mean, know? Yeah, you say that. It's still pretty disgusting. <laughs> so, like, what do you drink when it comes to beer? I mean, if I can, it's cerveza. You mean, like, Mexican beer? Yeah, Mexican imported beer. Yeah, just, like, piss water, if I wow. can get it. Like uh, wow. Modelo, I really like, or uh, Pacifico are my two two favorite. Really? Yeah, just like I cool because what I really want is small beer. That's what I really want, but that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, so you base like... is like a three and a half percent. You know, it's very low alcohol and it's easy. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like carbonated water with a little bit of like bread flavor. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And actually, sometimes I do really enjoy like like a Mexican lager like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like, and, and Modelo is actually pretty decent, like, all things considered. I love Modelo. Like, I'm so pissed I haven't been able to get it in, like, three months. I, 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 you know, there is, there is a place for beers like that, like, 100%. And it's actually interesting. The, uh, like, so they tried, I believe it was in Mexico. They tried, uh, like, there was some, like, craft breweries that, like, went down there, or there was at least some craft brewers that went down there and tried to, like, do what happened in the U.S. in Mexico, 
right? Because I yeah. mean, Mexico Mexico has a beer drinking culture like the U.S. does, and so like the the logic was sound in the sense of like you know let's go down there and let's brew you know like beers and you know like yeah. show them like Some the, really like bitter the, super hoppy beer that American college students like. Well, so here's the thing, right? <laughs> is so Mexican beer is is a lager and. The the primary beers that are brewed by brewers, at least like hobby brewers, like, you know, there are and when I say hobby brewers, I mean, people that aren't like tr- like aren't starting to buy like a lot of equipment that they're like they're brewing in a like they're brewing on a stovetop. They're like me. They're brewing in a stovetop. You know, they're oh, probably stovetop. Yeah, they're probably oh. using a bucket, you know, like instead of like, you know, like good equipment, um, you know, and. Under those circumstances, being able to produce a lager is basically impossible. You know, mm-hmm. you brew, you could, brew, and so I guess let me pause there. Is do you know the do you no. ha, do you understand that you do not understand no. the distinction I know between a know. lager I, and a new? They are all beer to me. Okay, so man, all right. It's like some um, beer doesn't is, even use hops, right? Like that was new information uh, to me. Oh, that's mm, that's sort of true, but oh, it's almost technical. okay. Well, We're, let's, okay. let's take a step back then. So let's, yeah, let's, let's start. Cause I think, what is that? Is that called Groost or something? Oh, oh okay. That's that. okay. That's a totally different thing. I thought there was just like, like you could get, like there was non-hot beer and that was just like a standard kind of beer. But if it's weird, then never mind. Groot. Uh, Gruit. Yeah. Gruit. It's a, okay. So, and actually it's, man, oh God, this is all coming together right away. This is fantastic. Uh, okay. So. First of all, let's take a pause. The distinction between um, between ale and lager. So, the basically, there's two broad categories of beer. Like, all beer, again, and you know what? I'm going to just say this right now. Disclaimer. This is my own knowledge, you know? This is, this is as best as I understand beer. So, I'm probably going to get a shit ton of this wrong. Yeah, but, if you're typing an angry comment right now, just, just give it a second. Yeah, this is this is a lot of the things that I'm going to say are generalizations that are like 80% true. There is probably some untruth to what I'm saying, but 80% this is this is probably about right. And I I, I think we'll find out afterwards that it's probably is, closer to this is, to 60%, right? But this is, this is pure B minus beer information right here, you know. Absolutely. Yes. Can't get this quality will... like that anywhere else. <laughs> so the two broad categories of beer are, are ale and lager, and the main difference is how they're fermented. So ale is warm fermented um, and uses what is called top fermenting yeast, which is basically yeast that like tre- tends to sit towards the top and, you know, is more amenable and does its best work in like room temperature or thereabouts. Whereas lager yeast or what's called bottom fermenting yeast does its best work at like you know, I would say like maybe around 50 degrees Fahrenheit, something around there. It's like, you know, not quite, maybe maybe even slightly lower, but like not quite fridge temperatures, but definitely colder than room temperature. Okay. okay. And the big difference between those two strains of yeast are that the bottom fermenting yeast produces a lot of, a lot fewer like off flavors. And it also tends to, um, what, what what's referred to as flocking out. Um, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a lot okay. of terms at you. I'm gonna throw a Locking lot of out. terms at you. Flocking. So okay. So there's when you when you talk about yeast, there's a couple things that there's a couple terms that like get thrown out. Is there's flocculation, there's attenuation, and then I think I think it's, then it's like alcohol resistance. I think is the other thing. Oh, so, to, so the alcohol they produce doesn't kill the yeast. 
So the alcohol they produce doesn't kill the yeast. Got it. Makes sense. Oh man, specific gravity and stuff. Yeah, I've I've heard of how you calculate that before, and it just seems like a huge pain in the ass. It's really not. It's it takes like two seconds to calculate specific gravity. Um, oh, really? Okay. Oh. Yeah, it's it's really easy, and then you get to drink a beer afterwards. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, attenuation. That's it's the percentage of sugars that the yeast are able to consume. Basically, so like a highly like attenuative yeast will consume almost all of the sugars and turn it like into alcohol versus uh, a a yeast that has a low attenuation. Like it's going to leave more sugar in the beer. Okay. And then flocculation is basically (laughs) the tendency for. Yeah, I know. It's a it's a funny word. It's it's the tendency particular is very funny. Oh, I know that one is. I mean, oh, dude, don't even get me started on like sparge water and. uh, And, and 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 the lauder mash ton like no, I mean okay you're making shit up now I can tell <laughs> there can um, be a larder mash ton and yet there is yeah no, um there is. but uh so basically flocculation is the the tendency for yeast to clump together and fall out of solution after they're done doing what they want to do right mm, okay so basically lager yeast they really want to flock out they really want to clump together and drop to the bottom of the fermenter um and stop fermenting once they're done fermenting which means that lager is super clear and super crisp right yeah yeah so that's kind of like that's kind of the hallmarks of lager and so they went to mexico with you know like essentially ale techniques because that's the easiest thing to brew i mean that's what i brew i am not set up to do lagers i can only do ales oh okay yeah see that that was very that's very helpful information because now now i know that this belgian style wheat ale is cloudy because it's ale it's also cloudy because the uh, the yeast uh does not flock out very easily in fact belgian styles i think in general have a very low flocculation yeast like the yeast that i use to brew my belgian Again, it like it's it's very like my my Belgian is also cloudy, you know, for, yeah. for that exact same reason. And also, I think um, there's also usually things added to it. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of like wit beers have like some oat content in the grain bill. The grain bill being the grains you use okay. to to actually make the actually make the beer. I figured that's what it was. Oats tend to inter- introduce some cloudiness to the beer. Mm. Um, but so you know, Mexico's a hot country, right? Um, yeah, this <laughs> ales, is not a, yeah. Ales are highly flavored and, you know, like, like they're bready and all that stuff. And it's like, so you, you, you make a beer like that and it's not nice to drink on a hot summer day, you know, out in the heat. It's not great. It was not popular. I also say I do drink my beer warm exclusively. Why? I don't like cold beer. Why? Uh, It's the carbonation and the coldness is wrecks havoc on my stomach. Interesting. I can't do it. Cold. I actually, I open all of my beers like 30 minutes before I drink them. So they uncarbonate a little bit and get a little warm. And also oxidize to shit. <laughs> yeah, it's fine, though. I don't, I mean, I can't tell. So, you know. Uh, it takes me two it? hours to drink a beer anyway, so. There's, there's so, I mean, there's there's a couple enemies to, to beer. Uh, well, heat is definitely probably one of them. But um, I was going to say oxygen and light. Um, and there is a reason why Corona is in a clear bottle. <laughs> is because the beer itself is so tasteless that it actually gets some of its taste from the fact that it gets light damaged. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That it, it's, it's basically like having it out, like, cause you have a Corona out in the sunlight, you know, 
like on a beach or whatever, and the sun damages and like basically introduces off flavors to the beer, um, and that's the flavors that essentially are Corona, and that's also par- partially why you squeeze a, like you traditionally squeeze yeah, a lime yeah. into it to kind of mute some of the worse off flavors, such that you get you know the the better off flavors. Mm. <laughs> so what you're telling me I should drink bottled Corona. I mean, what you should do is just take it out of the sun and leave it there for thirty minutes. No, no, and no then but I drink want it. the flavorlessness. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll have warm Corona. Warm, warm canned Corona, if yeah, you can find there you it. Yeah, go. Oh, that sounds great. Go. Oh, God. <laughs> so you basically, what I'm, what I'm basically hearing from you is you, you probably don't like beer all that much, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I, yeah, I really don't. I, whenever, whenever, like, a dark beer, like, whenever someone orders a dark beer, it's just like, that stuff is so, so, like, I don't want to say gross, because I don't, like, it, it just tastes really different. And when you say dark beer, you're referring mostly to Guinness? Sure, or I mean, I've had I've had a fair. I've had like um like that philosopher beer Midas oh, okay. touch. Um, I've had some. We- I've like, I've had like a dark curry beer before that was weird. <laughs> um, and then I've had like you know IPAs. Those are I guess you're those talking are dark, about though. You're talking about three philosophers, right? The yeah, three philosophers. But th- there's also uh, the Midas King beer or whatever Midas touch beer. Oh, That's man. also I think a darker one. Three philosophers is a really good beer too. Um, <laughs> but. Different flavors. Yeah, it okay, has a and, lot of flavor. And you don't like IPAs, right? You're not a fan no, of those? No, I definitely do not. In fact, I accidentally bought a bunch of IPAs, and I just gave half of them to my roommate, Chandler. <laughs> like, you what, want uh, these? Because I don't want these. What IPA did you buy by accident? Do you remember? Um, yeah. Um, the, the, the the beer that comes in, like, the green box. It's a, one of the big ones. Not Blue Moon, but um, major beer. Uh, Goose Island? Uh, no, we might have different beers. Ugh. Yingling. Was it Yingling? No, Sierra Nevada. That's what it is. Sierra Nevada. Oh, Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada's... Okay. Well. <laughs> also, like I said, dude, I get my beer from Food Lion. Like. Hmm. Sierra Nevada's... Sierra Nevada's pale ale is fantastic. I don't know if you had that. Yes. No, I like Sierra Nevada's pale stuff. I like all pale beer. That's, so, that's good to me. It's, it's interesting because it's you say you like pale ale, which... the So the IPA in IPA stands for India Pale Ale. Okay. Which... So... <laughs> So going back a little bit, so the, the ingredients to beer, if you are, if you're, if you're listening to the German purity laws for beer, mm-hmm. which I'll get, I'm going to try to get this exactly right here. The Europe laws. and their food laws. <laughs> well, this one goes back a long time. This goes back to 1516. Yeah. But according to German beer purity law, beer can only contain water, barley, and hops. And what you'll, what you'll, what you'll notice is, is missing from that is yeast. <laughs> oh, I see. And, because in 1576, they obviously hadn't discovered microbiology yet yeah. and had no fucking idea what yeast was. <laughs> they just know that if you left out water and barley, <laughs> that you would yeah, you would yeast, attract yeah. wild yeast to it, you know, and well, the, the, it basically it would ferment and they didn't know why. And it's because they were actually getting wild yeast in their beer and it was turning it into beer. Um, <laughs> so they had to amend it at a later time when they actually discovered what the hell yeast was. And they were like, oh, that's the other ingredient. Uh. <laughs> so basically going back to, to IPA, India Pale Ale, India actually comes from the East India Company because you needed to ship beer because people wanted beer in, you know, like, uh, for instance, like, I guess I probably in India since, I mean, East India Company, right? Like, so British, uh, you know, like British people stationed yes. in India, like during that time and probably other places as well. I'm sure. I mean, East India Company obviously went everywhere. But, um, you know, you needed to ship beer long distances. And the the thing is, is 
hops are one of the things that uh, helps preserve a beer. And the more hops you put in, the better that beer is going to preserve over a long period of time. So what they did is they took one of like a regular beer and they just hopped the living shit out of it because mm-hmm. they were like, okay, cool. This is going to be enough to keep the beer preserved over like the long journey, you know, to, uh, to wherever it's going. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we actually get IPAs and the whole idea of just like absolutely annihilating it with hops. Um, but it's, if you don't like IPAs, you might actually, you might try to find, um, sometimes it's hard to find, like, cause this is a fairly new beer style. Like I say fairly new, like probably within like the last 10 years, or at least it became popular for sure within, I think the last five is West Coast IPAs or wait, okay. no, sorry. I feel like I've heard that term before. Wait, sorry, sorry. No, not West Coast, East Coast IPAs. Not, okay, not I definitely haven't ter- heard the term West Coast IPA before then. <laughs> So what what are they? What's different about them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because West Coast are traditional IPAs. That's like, you know. Oh, okay, I see. East Coast IPAs is basically somebody, like, is, maybe I should explain the beer brewing process a little bit. So, and I'm assuming you are you are in no way familiar with the beer brewing process. Uh, let me take a stab at it. Um, you put water, hops, and yeast, and whatever else you want, into a thing, and you let it sit for a while, and then you filter it somehow, and add carbonation to it, and then you get beer? You're close. Okay. So you're, you're close. So there's kind of two avenues to beer brewing. There's, well, there's there's technically more than that, but I'm going to really simplify it and say there's two. There is extract brewing, and there is all-grain brewing. There's shades of gray in between those two, but broadly speaking, that's kind of what you're working with. Extract, so what you are trying to, at the end of the day with brewing, you need to get something called wort to start out with. Yeah, I've wort, heard the term. Yeah, and all wort is is grains and water where the the sugar has been extracted from the grains. Now, there's a couple ways you there's broadly speaking two ways you can go about that. You can do it the all grain method where you take malted grains, grains that have been partially germinated, um and thus have an enzyme to break down the the carbohydrate or whatever in okay. the yeah, I know some into of those a sh- Yeah, into a sugar, right? Like, you know, cuz like that's that's essentially when a seed germinates, that's what it's doing. It's turning the it's turning the thing that you that the seed can't use as food into something the seed can use as food. And that's what that enzyme does. So when you malt a grain, all you're doing is basically partially germinating it so that that enzyme is created. Okay. You can you can then take those and you can put them in a like water that's like at a certain temperature, you know, like water that's probably like like it's 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 warm but it's not hot, and uh, that basically provides an ideal environment for the for the enzyme to do its job and extract the sugars from that grain. So you basically leave it in that environment for about like an hour or so, and you have you have basically like a soup of grains that have all the sugars removed from them and sugary water, and then what you do with that is you raise the temperature of it till it's boiling or something cl- or just higher than basically high enough to kill the enzyme stop the process of the sugar extraction and then take that sugar and extract it into what is going to eventually be your your boiling vessel the thing that you're going to make the beer in so okay, wait, that's wait, wait, wait. whoa 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 so you wait but do you keep the water that you got the sugar yeah the sugar, sugar water is what turns into beer okay, so because you don't literally like extract crystals of sugar no, you extract sugar water. Okay, okay. I was I was like, why don't you just use sugar then? <laughs> well, actually, I mean, you could technically, but then it wouldn't. I don't think it would really be beer. It would be something else. Um, it would be rum. Yeah, 
probably. Um, I mean, well, it would be the it would rum. be the starting point for rum. And actually, yeah, it's interesting. Like like both liquor and beer actually start with a wort. Well, something something. Yeah, I think it is. It's still called a wort. In no, it's called a mash. It's called a mash. Yeah, it's mash, not called a wort. Yes. Um, so they both start with a mash, um, and then like beer turns that mash into a wort. Whereas liquor just goes on to distill that, and you know, I, I don't know as much about distilling. They never so stop the sugar extraction process or something. Well, they 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 don't um they don't water it down because in beer brewing you basically like the sugary stuff that you you end up with you need to you need to water down to something reasonable because otherwise it's got way too much sugar and you would basically create a beer that either would get up to like fifteen percent and all the yeast would die. Or like, and then you'd still have sugar left over, and it would basically be like sugar beer, which you know, uh, I mean, could be yeah, delicious, thanks. but <laughs> you could do that, or you can do the way that I do it, uh, because I don't have the equipment to do all grain brewing. You have basically you have the avenue of creating your own like you know wort like that, or you can use what's called extracts and all extracts are is somebody's done all the work for you and then boiled off most of the water so that you're left with you're left with basically like a really thick syrup that is like the sugars and grain taste essentially and you just add that to water and you just add that to water to rehydrate. And there's 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 liquid malt extract and there's dry malt extract. Dry malt extract obviously is just drier. But uh, and I, I I mostly work with liquid just because I fucking I hate dry malt extract. Oh, so you so, use extract? I use extract. Okay. I I do not have the I do not have the equipment at at the current time. And I don't know that I ever really will invest in it just because like so brewing takes. I mean, so if you think about it, right? To create that that initial syrup. Basically, that initial that initial sugary water, that's already an hour. And then on top of that, you typically boil a batch of beer for an hour. So I'm already at two hours. I get to skip the initial boiling step uh, if I do extract brewing. So that's what I do. Some people like I mean, you, you have less control with extract brewing. Like you basically have to rely on whatever somebody did like and you have to rely on whatever grains are available like as extract syrups. Okay. Or, or 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 malt extract to be able to create a beer, but like honestly, so far I haven't found that that restrictive. And you can always you can always get other flavors by doing something which is called uh, by steeping, uh, which is essentially you take malted grains um, and you do kind of like a mini version of the the all grain brewing, which is basically you take like crushed malted grains put them in essentially a big tea bag and then let them sit in your water for like 30 minutes at a certain like a certain temperature water and then you get the flavors and sugars from that just by doing that and then you can add your malt extract and you can still get some of the flavors you couldn't normally get from just pure extracts have you ever heard of um like buying like whiskey barrel chips oh yeah i'm uh, yeah people do that similar concept um, yeah, it is a sim. I would say it's a similar concept. Yeah. It's it, like, instead of, instead of putting something, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different because basically what you're doing is you're just, yeah, it, you know, I, I would say it actually is. Right, I would say it's similar. The, the idea with whiskey barrel chips is you buy like Everclear, some sort of clear alcohol, and then you just flavor your clear alcohol with those. Yes. Same idea. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. It, would you ever think of using whiskey barrel chips in a beer? If you're trying to, like, if you're trying to create something that's like, you know, 
bourbon barrel flavored or whatever, then yeah. yeah. I wouldn't suggest it unless you're trying to go that route because you're yeah. going to make your beer weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds weird. So yeah. So I mean, if you were doing like a stout, then yeah, I could see adding bourbon barrel chips. Like that would make some sense, you know, because like then you're like that. those flavors meld well together, whereas like a bourbon barrel IPA, that might be too much. You know, I feel like that would uh, probably yeah. clash. But, you know, that's the nice thing. And, you know, like one of the Hipsters points that would I buy that shit up. <laughs> yes, they would. Are hipsters but, even uh, a thing anymore? I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. It's just are hipsters a thing? I don't know. Are hipsters Did, a thing? Has that have we have has has culture moved on from from my college years? I, I assume it has. It, it probably has. Uh, yeah. You know, the the world has left you behind now, Stephen. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Phones have become computers, and that yes. was like 20 years ago. So and everyone's you. and everyone's a hipster now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Continue I mean, I guess under talking. normal circumstances, I'd probably be considered a hipster. I have. I mean, a we beer. were hipsters. Yeah. Well, we I mean, both I have hipsters. a beer. I have a beard and I homebrew. I, I don't think that oh, I have, you have any a beard. Now. Oh yeah. Did you have that last time I saw you? Yeah, I had a beard at Christmas, Stephen. Okay, I guess. I guess you could call that a beard. You weren't Santa <laughs> it, Claus level or anything. No, I'm still not. But you like, were like, it's gotten you were, better. Um, you were the butcher from the boys. <laughs> almost. Prob- I've probably been rewatching that lately, so that's why I'm making the reference. Oh man, new season of that's coming out soon. I know that's excited. why I'm watching. Yeah, it's so good. Um, but anyway. uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, my beard's gotten better. Um, nice. I, I figured. I, I, I've, I've, I've been given advice on how to actually, you know, make it not look like groom shit it and, and trim it. Yeah. Now that I've learned that, I'm like, oh wow, that actually makes a huge difference. Um, yeah. It's but, amazing uh, how many things require like work. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's the worst. So I brew extract, right? It's the yes. long story yes, short, and I sometimes. Story. And I sometimes steep grains, not always. Um, like the beer that I just brewed, I didn't feel it was necessary because I did an all wheat beer, um, and I could find wheat extract, so I just use wheat extract, and it shortens. You, you know, it shortens my brewing time by like thirty minutes, which makes my life so much easier. So you start out with that basically, and then you have to boil beer, and the boiling is not really. The boiling is really more of a sanitation step, but the boiling is also where hops come into play because there's. There's a couple ways, and this is this is my roundabout way of getting back to East Coast IPAs. The the way that hops work, right? Hops are filled with this thing called alpha acids. And what alpha acids are is they're the thing that makes things bitter. So certain hops, like varieties, have higher alpha acids than others. And basically, the longer you boil a hop, the more alpha acids it releases. You know, the boil the action of boiling is what releases those alpha acids into the solution. So very bitter beers, like, like sometimes you'll hear of things like like a 120-minute IPA or something. I think um, Dogfish Head has a 120-minute IPA. Ah. Basically, they've, they've boiled that beer for 120 minutes. For 120 minutes to extract just a tremendous amount of bitterness from the hops. So West Coast IPAs, that's kind of the deal, right? Is yeah. like the traditional IPAs is is. The hops are to add bitterness. There's there's definitely like hops used for flavoring, and those are used kind of later in the boil, like maybe towards like the the five or ten minute mark, where you're you're mostly not extracting you're mostly not extracting bitterness. You're 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 getting basically hop flavor into your beer. Yeah, East Coast IPAs are almost the exact opposite. They they use actually very little hops up front, and some of them don't even. Some of them can even be done in like thirty minute boils because you actually aren't even adding the hops until the thirty minute mark. So you can actually start the boil much later. And because uh, you don't, yeah, I was just, I was going to ask why. Yeah, because oh. you because do, you don't need like the only reason to boil for a full hour is because 
you want to extract hops at the 60-minute mark. If you don't need to extract hops, I mean, you could boil the beer for five minutes and it'll be done if all you need to do is add, you know, hops at the five-minute mark. You know, like, there's there's no compelling reason to boil for an hour other than hop extraction. That's the and, whole wait, point. Wait, I'm sorry. Why do you boil it all again? <laughs> That's how you extract the bitterness from the hops. Oh, so you literally... So most beer isn't boiled. All beer is boiled. All beer is boiled. All beer is boiled. Because all most beer, of them only for a short amount of time. Uh, almost all beer are boiled for a full 60 minutes. Um, but you're oh, adding okay. very little hops at the end. Because here's... Think about it like this. So right? even a lager? It's, yeah, because here's here, here's the thing, right? If you think about it from a um, from a cost effectivity standpoint, yeah, you extract more bitterness from the hops the earlier you put it into the boil. So sure. if you want very little bitterness in your beer, you can use a tiny amount of hops at the very beginning, like you know, like just like a pinch of hops at the beginning of the beer, um, and boil it for sixty minutes and come up to your appropriate bitterness. Versus if you boiled for ten minutes, you need to put a shit ton of hops. I'm sorry. What, what's even the point of hops then? So hops has two purposes. There are there are bittering hops. There are hops you add at the beginning of the boil to to extract bitterness and basically give your beer that bitter quality because beer all beer to some degree has a bitter quality like it no, it's not it's not it's it's obviously massive shades of gray there like you know you could go from a very bitter beer like an IPA to an almost not bitter at all like a stout um mm. and stouts it would not be Wait, surprised really? you would use stout i would use like a a lager right i mean lagers are bitter i would say lagers are bitter yes. i mean you know, like the the bitter. I mean, like I think you might be confusing bitterness with like the pininess of okay. of, of, yeah, of hop right. flavor. That's exactly what I'm doing. It is because like Corona is still bitter. It's just not piney. You know. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. that that pininess is actually all achieved at the back end. It's all achieved in like the last ten minutes because the the, the if you I mean cause obviously you've never done this and obviously I have but like if you smell hops. Hops smell like citrusy and piney for the most part. There's different varieties. I mean, there's like a million different varieties of hops. Yeah. Um, but like on the whole, citrusy and piney are like the primary things that you get out of hops. And so like that, to get that, you basically add the hops at the later stages so you don't destroy all of those compounds. Because, you know, all of those compounds, I mean, like y- y- you cook, you know that all of like those aromatic compounds yeah, die. are very ephemeral. And, you know, you destroy them with heat. So, you know, the hops you put at the beginning are adding no flavor. They're just adding bitterness. Whereas all of the hops you add at the end are adding all those aromatics and all those flavors to the beer. So Hmm. the East Coast IPA style is basically very little bitterness up front. So, like, very little hops in, like, you know, there's a measure called IBUs, which are international bittering units. It's basically the measure of how bitter a beer is. (laughs) I love, I, I love international standards for, like, food stuffs like that. I knew, like, a week, like, a month ago when we talked about doing a beer podcast that you were going to laugh your ass off at yeah. IBUs, yeah, and yeah. here we are. Because I are know there's an international tea standard, and I know how shitty it is. So. <laughs> well, the international tea standard, oh, man, I'm not, okay, you know what? You've seen the Tom Scott video. I've seen the Tom Scott video. Yeah, yeah, we There's a reason that. why the international tea standard exists. Yeah. To our listeners, who we barely ever talk to, you should go watch that Tom Scott video if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it is. But anyway. um, the international bittering, basically, like, it's it's the, it's the measure of how bitter a beer is. Like, a beer like what I'm brewing, actually, I can, I can actually tell you what uh, the IBUs of my beer are, or at least what the theoretical ones are, because I use a beer calculator to figure out all my recipes, because wow. beer is complicated. But uh, mine is probably something in the neighborhood, and yours is probably very similar, because, like, we're both drinking a wit beer, and they're both yeah. not very hopped beers. But so my beer recipe 
comes out to an IBUs of 15.9. So let's call it 16, which is pretty typical of a not very bitter beer. Something like, you know, like a straw, like the IPA that I like to brew is um, my IPA clocks in at something in the neighborhood of almost 80 IBUs. So much more bitter. Interesting. Something like an East Coast IPA comes somewhere in the middle, somewhere around 40. So it's still bitter, but... Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking at the, the Brew Enthusiast site. Mm-hmm. A pale ale from Sierra Nevada is 38 IBUs? Yep. That doesn't seem right to me. It is. Because uh, a pale ale, I mean, it's, it's, the proto, it's the proto version of an IPA. It's, it's an IPA before they sh- like hop the shit out of it at the boil. That's, that's oh, what it is. That's so. Cr- I, and yet, and yet, the Belgian wheat I'm drinking right now has less IBUs than that. But I would say that the ale is way less difficult to drink than that built Belgian wheat that I'm drinking right now. That's weird. So you, and so there's a reason for that too. And actually, um, so huh. what you're drinking right now, and what I'm drinking as well. So you know, as I mentioned before, right? Yeah. Like in our last podcast, um, I talked about how like the beer that I brewed it contains coriander and orange peel. Yeah. So you mentioned right at the beginning, isn't there beer that's brewed without hops? And the answer is, is, well, there was before people discovered hops. I mean, beer has been brewed since BC. You know, it's been brewed since forever. Yeah. And hops is something that doesn't grow everywhere. And yet everybody makes beer. So how the fuck did they make beer? Well, beer has always been a little bit bitter. Like that's always been an element. Like because other because, you know, if you don't basically if you don't add any kind of bittering agent, you're basically left with something that I think would accurately be described as malt liquor. Like, oh, okay. Okay. Because if yep. you think about malt liquor, it's mm-hmm. kind of sweet mm-hmm. and alcoholic because yeah. it doesn't contain any bittering agents or at least contains so few as to be almost imperceptible. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's what you're left with. Um, so how the hell did they brew beer without hops before? Well, the answer is shit like orange peel and coriander and pine and, you know, any other number of things. And that's where uh, Gruet comes from, is Gruet is beer, is proto-beer. It's beer before they discovered hops where they used, like, fruits and herbs and other shit to try and make the beer slightly bitter before they had the option of making beer bitter with, the like, the, the preferred method, which is hops. Mm. And... That's where wit beer, you know, white, uh, you know, like Belgian, Belgian wit beer came from. Yeah. Is it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, like a middle step between the two is like, they still enjoyed the flavors of like the orange peel and the coriander, but they had already discovered hops and they knew how hops worked. And so it, it's, it's, it's still hopped, but that orange peel and coriander help add more bitterness to the beer in their own right. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So it's it's just they're they're full flavored. Yes, yes. So i I wasn't really exposed. I wasn't really exposed to beer brewing until I moved to Minnesota, which I lived very briefly, like a like a year and a half in Minnesota. But um, like I knew that beer brewing existed, but I don't think I knew any home brewers. And then when I moved to Minnesota, I guess home brewing is a fairly big thing in that state yeah. because I met like I think at least three, if not four or five home brewers 
like in a very short space of time in Minnesota. And basically, like I never really thought about the concept of home brewing until I went there because like I knew I think I knew vaguely that it might exist, but I didn't think that like anybody really actually did it. It was like a really niche hobby. Well, it turns out no, actually a shit ton of people, you know, and like there's beers like there's beer ingredient stores everywhere. I mean, that's where I get my beer ingredients. I have a local beer ingredient store here, and that's where I buy most of my shit is for, like unless I can't find it there and I have to order it online. Like I basically buy all my beer shit there and it's like a strictly beer ingredient store well it's a beer and wine store um like in terms of beer it's, and wine ingredients it's, it's a it's an ibo or no it's not that okay no 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 it's it's a it's a home brewing and home wine making store they don't they don't sell alcohol they can't yes okay because yeah. of law yeah yeah I, I, other than other than the alcohol they physically make on the premises oh but they they can sell the they, they can sell their homebrew yes I, well, I don't know if they, I don't know if they can sell it. They can certainly serve it. Cause like, I mean, uh, I've had their, I've had their homebrew there. Um, I don't know if they can sense. actually, they, they, cause they can sell the kits. I don't know if they can actually sell. I mean, there are breweries that exist, but I don't know if they're licensed yeah, I mean, as a brewery. Alcohol is really heavily licensed up there. So yeah, it's very heavily regulated in Canada, but, um, or it's certainly in Ontario, maybe not, not so much in other provinces, but very much in Ontario. Cause I mean, I've had beers there, like they have beers on tap. And, you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, you want to try one of these beers? And then, like, that's how they – that's partially how they sell their kits. I mean, that's yeah, the, that's the way that I – style. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the way I – my first beer was a kit. I basically, like, they, they gave me a recipe. They gave me exactly what to do. And then they gave me all the ingredients, and I paid for them, and I made a beer. And theoretically, I, I made as close to a beer as their, their recipe, yeah. you know, allowed – but from there, it was all my own personal. Re- Once I learned the process, it was all my own personal recipes. But so what kind well, of touches do you do for your beer? What kind of what? Touches. Like what? What's your thing? Do you do anything? I, I well, I mean, it depends, right? So, like, here's the thing, because this is and this is kind of like what I wanted to talk about a little bit is what what do I do? What's my specialty? Well, my specialty is nothing. It's just I I'm able to a. It's I just like being able to say I brewed this beer. You know, mm. even if I brew, but. Moreover than that is I came up with this recipe for this beer and brewed it, you know, and it tastes good and it's a good beer and it matches kind of what I want the beer to be. And that's it because the thing that, and I'm not going to say this is a mistake, but I know a lot of like a lot of some of the, well, not a lot, but some of the home brewers that I've encountered, they feel like they got to do something like, oh, I'm going to add raspberries to my beer or I'm going to add a little bit of like coffee bean or I'm going to it's like they add shit, you know, like they add yeah. additional th- and like you like they got to like, you know, they got to spice it up versus a normal beer. And like, you know what, if that's your jam and that's what you like to drink, like Godspeed, right? You know, same with winemaking. I mean, if you want to add plums and orange peel and shit to your wine and that's what makes you happy, that's great. I like Godspeed! Like do what it like. Yeah. That's the that's the joy of making these things. Boat. Yeah, this is the that's the joy of making things on your own. But like to me, I want to just make beer that I would want to drink, and I don't want to drink beers that have weird shit in them. Other than this wit beer, which has coriander and, and orange peel. Uh, but like you know, what I what I want to get out of beer is if I make an IPA, it's like what's the IPA that I really want to drink? And in this case, like the IPA that I brew is is just like. It's basically a marriage of West and East Coast IPAs is it's 80, like, you know, like I said, it's like 80 IBU. So it's bitter, but then I also, it's very bitter, but I also put a lot of hops at the back end. And actually this is, so this circles back to finally what I wanted to talk about, which is after the boil, right? If you want to, if you want to add a bunch of hop flavor to your beer, the best thing to do to get 
purely flavor of hops and no bitterness is what's called dry hopping, uh, which is where you add the hops to the fermenter rather than to the boiling liquid. So you add the hops after it's already cold. So you're basically extracting just hop flavor and not any of the hop bitterness or at least a negligible amount of hop bitterness. Hmm. And that's what, that's what, I mean, like, so, you know, like a normal amount of hops maybe to add, it, it, it's called dry hopping, which I think is actually kind of a bad term. It really should be called cold hopping because the hops are yeah. wet. They get, yes. you know, they get wet. Um, so, but like, so maybe, maybe cold hopping would be the better term, but dry hopping is what we, what, what it was called. So there, there it is. But mm-hmm. um, so beer brew, so like East Coast IPAs, like a normal beer might have like, you know, half an ounce, maybe an ounce of like dry hop, you know, which will add a significant amount of hop flavor. I dry hop, uh, let's see, 10 ounces. Wow. Um, which is actually probably a little bit too much. And actually in my next batch that I do of the IPA, I'm actually going to, I'm going to knock that down to me. Yeah, that sounds like it'd be very lemony. Um, so actually grapefruity is what I was going for. Oh, okay. Um, so the particular hops that I like to use, um, so my, uh, my, uh, my IPA is it's, um, it's Simcoe and Amarillo hops. And those hops, they both have kind of like a, like, well, actually it's not even so much separately, but when you mix them together, they kind of like, it becomes kind of more like the, more than the sum of its parts. And they, they, the, the, the mix of flavors that they have creates this really pleasant kind of grapefruity, uh, note to it that I love. And so I just dry hop the shit out of it with Amarillo and Simcoe and, uh, oh, it's really tasty. But, uh, like that's, and that's what I like is like, I, like my, in my mind, I'm like, I want a really bitter grapefruit forward beer. So I'm going to make that. And, you know, I have to play around with the recipe. I don't always get it right the first time, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the joy of it for me is like making exactly the beer that I want to drink, especially at that specific time. Would you ever add like actual grapefruit? Like grapefruit um, extract or something? I might. Um, I, I, I would consider maybe doing a beer similar to like like a wit beer where I actually add like after the firm like after the fermentation is done but before kegging, adding like adding grapefruit juice to it. Because if you add it in the fermenter, like I did with and actually I might change my, my wit beer slightly, um, based on that fact, but I added my orange juice actually in the boil. Um oh, which is fine. Uh, well oh, no, okay. it, it's it's cause um I actually got the idea. I got the idea from uh, making black beans is I there's a Cuban black bean recipe off of Serious Eats where they basically they squeeze like a whole orange into the into the beans as they're cooking. And like because of like you're boiling it in this like um, you know, like in the oils from the peel and like all of like the different like, you know, the bits of the orange, you get this really nice floral orange like smell and flavor by the end of the beans cooking. And I was like. Why couldn't I just do that with beer? And the answer is I could. And actually, the the, the beer that I made is I got like a really nice kind of like floral orange smell to it, but it could use a little bit more sweetness. And I think I could do that by just adding straight up, you know, squeezed orange juice in to the, the in the end. But if you add it in the like anywhere before that, like during the fermentation process, guess what? Yeast eats sugar. What's in oh, orange yeah. juice? It's sugar. So it, it ended up being a much drier beer. I mean, I I, I did expect it. But I think that I do want to add a little bit more sweetness next time, so I might actually squeeze some oranges into it at the end. But, like, like that's, that's for me, that's, that's the fun of it, right? You know, like, that's the whole point of beer brewing is, is making beers exactly how I want to make them. Same appeal as cooking. Yeah, exactly. And, and also coming up with my own recipes. I want to be able to, like, come up with my own beers, you know, that are also still yeah. good. 
But like, that's why I like beer brewing so much because there is actually a lot of play space. You know, you have all of these things, like you have, you know, all the different grains you can use, all of the different yeast strains you can use, all of the different hop varieties you can use. You could boil for different times. Like, and like, you know, then you can get really fucking finicky with it, which I don't. But like, I mean, you could change your water chemistry. Like there's people that like add different minerals and stuff. Like, like they start with distilled water and add a bunch of like minerals yeah. and stuff to it to get very specific water chemistries to bring out very specific things in, in the grain and all and like I don't have time for that like you know like Godspeed to those people you know like who are like really serious about it but like I can't yeah I can't someone who's never that. tried a homebrew beer it's I mean they taste like regular beers still obviously so it's just like if I gave you my homebrewed beer and I gave you a commercially a beer. available beer yeah I think you would in a triangle test I think that you would be hard-pressed to tell the difference yeah oh well I mean I think I'd be hard-pressed to tell the difference between an ale and a lager <laughs> so yeah well it, it's funny too because like so my oktoberfest which I, I not october it's a mocktoberfest so oktoberfest beer is obviously why do you german. call it that because it's not legally a german like so i'm about to tell you uh, okay yeah so um as you can so i mean lager it's a german word so as you might imagine lagers are uh something that are very popular in germany and in fact most beers that come out of germany are in fact lagers oktoberfest being a german beer uh, is no exception. It's a lager. So why do I call it a Mocktoberfest? Well, a Mocktoberfest is a term for an Oktoberfest that isn't a lager. <laughs> it's not a real Oktoberfest because it's not actually lager. It's an ale. you can't make lager. Yeah. Because I can't make lager. Or at least I'm not, yeah, I'm not set up to make lager. So. Yeah. Oh, um, well, yeah. I'm, you personally. Yes. My Mocktoberfest is basically all of the, all of the ingredients for uh uh for Oktoberfest minus the proper yeast and what I actually yeah. use to you know so uh, I've actually so you feel, use the top yeast not the bottom yeast I need the top yeast and actually yeah. I'm really my 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 Oktoberfest is my greatest like I nailed this on my first try and I felt really happy with it because my Oktoberfest does something that most Oktoberfests don't do which is so most most Oktoberfests that I've seen uh, that people like people's recipes that they've written up is they use a um, I think it's like a, like a, a yeast to make Kolsch. So what Kolsch is is it's a it's it's a German style before I think before they either before they um, discovered bottom fermenting yeast or what after they discovered it and then they wanted to try the lagering process with a bottom like with a top fermenting yeast is oh, okay. It's so basically Kolsch is an ale yeast that they that they ferment cold. I, th I think that they ferment cold. I think that's right. I think that they ferment, they cold ferment an ale yeast. I think that's how yeah. Kolsch works. And so it, it um, doesn't work as effectively, so it produces a cleaner beer or something? Something like that. Um, I, I, I've never brewed a Kolsch, so I'm not actually terribly familiar with how they work. But long story short, most people use, if they don't use the Kolsch yeast, they use a yeast that is very similar to a to a bottom fermenting yeast, but it can be brewed at ale temperatures. Okay, and that's and that's how people make their Oktoberfest. And you know what? That that makes a lot of sense, and it's totally legitimate. I went a completely different direction. I used a really strong uh, dry English ale yeast. It's basically it's a yeast that is very. It, it it creates a lot of multi flavors, like it like it lets a lot of multi flavors into the beer, you know, because English ales, uh, you know, maltiness is one of the kind of like hallmarks of like dry English ale, and so you know they want that. That's what the kind of the yeast is is leaving as much of that in the beer as possible, and it's also an incredibly flocculent yeast. So it basically it ferments and then it just drops the fuck yeah, out. Man, that shit's so flocculent. It's, it's so fly too. It flocks it's, out like it's nobody's business. All the kind. So. 
it's super great because it like it basically it ferments and then it all drops to the bottom and you le- are left with a really clear beer. And what I like about Oktoberfest, at least the Oktoberfest that I prefer, there I like really malty Oktoberfests. So I was like, I don't really want a, like a clean yeast. I want a yeast that's going to produce a shit ton of maltiness, but also leave the beer really clear. So I used this, you know, um, English. Yes, White Labs WLP 7 I used oh I, I, I used double O seven. It's uh, okay. <laughs> um, All right. And White Labs is breaks, kid. Yeah, White White Labs is is like almost everybody uses White Labs yeast because they're it's I mean it's basically like as far as I'm concerned it's the best yeast. I mean there's there are other yeast brands but like for liquid yeast for like liquid yeast packets, White Labs is fucking amazing. Like so I use that and like the beer a I mean I I. I didn't bother with the step of like really clarifying the beer, which I will do next time. So it was a little bit cloudier than it should have been because what you could actually do um, to really clear up your beer is you can actually add gelatin to the keg and the gelatin will sink to the bottom and on its way, it will take all of the stuff in solution and pull it out and suck it into cool. It's really cool. And so like then basically the first couple uh, pulls off your keg will be jello and they'll be disgusting, (laughs) but (laughs) Like once you clear out the jello at the bottom of the keg, it'll be completely clear beer. And so, oh, because the peg, the yeah, the keg pulls from the bottom, of course. Yeah, because the keg okay. pulls from the bottom. Exactly. Um. So that's. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try that for next time. Um. But uh, yeah. But yeah. The beer brewing process, though, like it's well, the one thing that is really like interesting about it is like it. It is. It's simultaneously not really that hard. Like, I mean, I, I've gotten to the point now. Like, I, I've brewed. Let me take a look here. I can actually because I I keep a record. Um, I, I got spreadsheets, man. <laughs> is it an Excel spreadsheet? It is absolutely an Excel. It's actually a Google sheet just so that I can access it anywhere. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, yeah. It's I a spreadsheet. Wow. It's a spreadsheet. So I have brewed, uh, let's see. I've brewed two of my IPAs. I've brewed, so that's two. I've brewed the Mocktoberfest. I've brewed the Wit Beer. And then I've brewed the um, the the kit the first time. So I've brewed, I've brewed five beers at this point. Oh, okay. That's, I, that's not that many. It's not, it's not a, ter- I mean, cause it does take some time and, you know, obviously you have to ferment for, you know, at, at least a week in most cases, uh, but more, more, more likely something closer to like something closer to like two weeks, if not more. Wow. Okay. Be- yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's not like one of those things you could just knock out real quick. Um, you know, there are actually really powerful yeast strains that can, uh, that can actually, um, like make beer in like a couple days those are ridiculous though like those are like you um they're super high temperature yeasts like yeast that you want to like you know do it like 90 degrees 100 degrees fahrenheit something like that like way higher than you would normally ferment uh so you actually have to like put like uh, like a warming blanket around the <laughs> around the fermenter um but it will it'll ferment out in like a couple days which is bananas but <laughs> that bacteria is hungry yeah man it absolutely is so it is it is it is a, something that requires some amount of patience and like I could get multiple beers going because like once I keg up a beer I could theoretically start another beer but here's the thing is like I said beer brewing process not really that complicated you know it takes me about it takes me about I would say two and a half hours on average two and a half to, eh, maybe closer to three it takes me about three hours to make a beer um like on the brew day that's not so bad yeah well it's about an hour of that is actually is it is it three or is it closer to four it might be closer to four now that i'm thinking about it because i was about to say I was like, it takes about an hour for on my stove for um you know 
three gallons of water to come up to temperature because you need, a, if you're making a five gallon batch, you need a, a decent amount of, of water to start out with. Like you can't, you can't start with too low an amount of water. Otherwise it'll really, it, like, there's, there's all sorts of things with like hop utilization and like complicated math shit where it's like, it's not going to work. Um, so you need at, I used to brew with two and a half. I actually just recently got a slightly larger vessel that I could actually fit three gallons into plus extract plus hops plus steeping grains if I need them. Like, you know, a decent sized vessel. Wait, but don't you, you're making five gallons of beer. So my fermenter can, can fit like six gallons, but I'm boiling about three gallons plus extract plus hops. Yeah. And that makes so I, five gallons of beer? So... You top it up with water, right? You you make you make a you make a sweeter, more bitter solution that you want to end up with, and that's that's where these that's where these beer cal. I mean, I use um I use Brewer's Friend, which is great. It's a free beer. You can pay for it, and you you know you should basically what paying for it adds is you could save recipes and stuff like that. You know, at some point I might end up paying for it right now. I'm I'm just, you know, like I'm just using the free version of it, which means that you can't save it. You have to retype in my recipes every single time, which mm. is a little bit annoying, but like, yeah. you know, for for the cost of free, I will deal with it. Uh, yeah, and they're go. fantastic and you know, if you were brewing a shit ton of beer and you have never heard of Brewer's Friend, what are you doing? You should absolutely, you know, pay pay for that service because it's a great service but basically like yeah that's where these calculators come into play is like because you know how how like it calculates all the things like um like hop utilization it calculates like your your wart your your wart initial gravity it calculates you know and, and it does all that based on your 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 initial boil volume so how much water you started out with how much water you want to end up with at the you know like basically it's like you you set your target in the fermenter or you set your target like in the in the kettle the kettle being where you boil like i mean uh, it's like all this shit right mm-hmm. like it it does all of the math for you it's like it like it it tells you when if you it's like if i add hops here in this amount i'll get this amount of bitterness if i add hops at this amount in this you know point i'll get this amount of bitterness like it's like Wow. And it, it even it even calculates um, color of the beer for you, which is I believe called the Lovabond index, if I recall correctly. Um, so wow, and that's actually by the way how I brew. When I brew, I'm usually trying to match a style um, yeah, yeah, because I like a specific like, but I want to match a style with like my own little tweaks to it. But basically, I want to hit like I want to hit my numbers. And so you can actually pull up, you can actually like out of drop downs, you could say, I want to brew like in this case, a wit beer. So I was like, all right, I'm going to pull up the, the style guide because there is a style guide, of course, <laughs> for all like, like there because like in beer competitions, like there is like a specific like beer should be this color. It should have this amount of bitterness. It should have this amount of alcohol, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I pull up the style guide for the beer and I start typing in shit. Because I, I basically, I figure out the ingredients that I want to use that are, you know, I, and I pick style guide appropriate ingredients. Um, you know, I might throw like a, a curveball in here or there. Like maybe I'll add like a different grain or something or, you know, I'll steep with something weird or whatever. But like, you know, by and large, I'm following the style guide. And I'll just start punching shit in until I basically get green on all my numbers. And I find, you know, a beer that matches the style guide and still has all the ingredients that I want to use in it. And then I brew that beer. <laughs> and then it comes out amazing every time. So you kind of reverse engineer your beer. I do, generally. Like, there's, like, my IPA I'm a little bit more creative about because I don't really care about the style guide. I'm trying to go for, I'm, I'm trying to go for my own version of a style that doesn't really exist, which is like, um you know, 
a, a midpoint between East Coast and West Coast. And that's, you know, I mean, I guess there are beers that like, you know, they dry hop the shit out of and also hop the shit out of. But, you know, I'm going for a specific flavor profile. And so I know what I want. So I don't really care about what the numbers are in the sense of like, I don't care if they match the style guide. I care about like, is it going to have enough alcohol? Is it going to have too little, too much, um, all that good stuff. But um so that's, you know, like that's 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 kind of like what I go after. But wow, where was I going with this? Yeah, what I, I, I was waiting for I forgot what the, what was the beginning of that. <laughs> you asked me a question that I got off on a tangent. Oh, I I don't even remember. I you were just talking about how you like having you your own style of beer. Yes. Bro, yo, is kettle volume. That was what we were talking about. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were yeah. Talking about. Okay. So, what we were talking about was, you know, how, how do I get the five gallons? Well, I get the five gallons by topping it off with cold water. Yeah, That's okay. what I do. But um, actually, although I actually do something slightly different is I actually, um, but I make sanitized ice and I'll get into the sanitation in a second, but I make sanitized ice and I use that as my, um, my top up water because I don't have anything to cool down the beer quickly. And I, I had been using just like um, putting it in the sink and um, like putting yeah. water around the kettle, which yeah. takes forever and it's super. And I still do that to some degree, but like doing an ice bath sucks and it's annoying and I hated doing it. So I was like, can you just add the ice to the beer? And the answer is, as long as it's sanitized, the answer is yes. You absolutely can just add ice to the beer. Yeah. You just boil the ice or boil the water to make the ice. <laughs> uh, not as important because I'm using tap water anyway. So as long as the tap water is fine to use, the tap water is fine to use. Um, but um, what I actually do is I sanitize the vessel and then I also like cover it in sanitized foil to make sure that like, you know, there's no weird stuff getting in from my freezer. Not that I imagine there would be, but like, you know, you, you, you want to do as little as you can, uh, to, as much as you can to minimize any kind of micro, you know, yeah. bacteria other than yeast getting into your, into your beer. Cause that's, I mean, that's part of, that's part of the reason why you boil it in the first place is to basically kill anything that's in there so that you start off with a sanitized thing. But that's. That's what I was about to say of what is the hard part of beer. Because I spend about an hour boiling my my water. I spend an hour brewing, typically. An hour, hour and a half, depending on if I'm steeping or not. And then I spend the rest of the two hours cleaning and sanitizing and all mm. that stuff. Because the thing with beer is there's something called the hot end and the cold end. The hot end is easy. The hot end is just like as long as you're basically following like normal like cooking sanitation procedures. Like don't it brew. Works. Yeah, yeah. Don't brew in like a like a dirty kettle, you know. Don't like <laughs> yeah. you know. Don't introduce any bad shit into the stuff in the first place. But the cold side, everything that you use, like the the like the like when I when I'm stirring the beer, when I'm when I'm chilling it, you know, like initially uh, before I add the ice, because I, I try to chill it before I add the ice just to get it down to the right temperature. Is like you know I, the, the 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 spoon needs to be in sanit in sanitized liquid until it's being used. Um, I need to sanitize the thermometer that I use to uh, to check the temperature of the beer to make sure that like I don't kill the yeast when I put the yeast in. You know everything like the 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 fermenter needs to be filled with sanitizer until the moment that I'm about to put the beer in. Um, all the stuff that I touch, like my hands, I need to dip my hands in sanitizer before been, I do it. Have you had trouble finding sanitizer? With everything going on, or no? Because the sanitizer that's used for beer is is obviously it's not you know I'm not using alcohol based like you know sanitizer. What is it then? So yeah, good question. Uh, <laughs> so the sanitizer for beer brewing is something called StarSan, and what StarSan is is it's an acid based sanitizer that's food safe, which is super crucial as you might imagine, since 
if I'm going to be taking something directly out of sanitizer and putting it into my beer, it better be something that I can also eat. <laughs> so that's what I use. And that's what basically everybody uses is star sand. And it's, it's basically like the way that it works too, is like, you don't, it's a, it's a no rinse sanitizer. So when I like, I fill my, like, uh, my, my fermenting vessel with, um, with sanitizer. And then when I pour it out, I don't rinse it afterwards. I just pour the beer directly in with some sanitizer still left in there. It doesn't cause any off flavors. You know, it's, it's like, it's the best goddamn shit ever. It's amazing. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's what's okay. used. Yeah. So like, it's like the, the, uh, the, the, the phrase that you always hear in, uh, in beer brewing circles is don't fear the bubbles because, uh, that's basically like after you're done, like sanitizing, it's filled with like foam. Uh, from the sanitizer foaming up and you just pour the beer right on top of the foam and it doesn't it doesn't cause any problems it's what's it's whatever i mean i think it's even what like commercial breweries use is these some version of if not exactly star sand like it's it's the gold standard it's what is used by everybody and it's amazing so love star sand okay interesting but it's not alcohol based it's just some chemical yeah it's a it's an acid it's a it's a food safe acid oh okay i see i understand makes sense yep so that is Doing that and then also cleaning up afterwards from the beer brewing is like half of the brew day because you have to be so careful in getting like, you know, making sure you don't introduce anything bad into the beer because that's that, that'll ruin it immediately. You get any bacteria like, you know, other than beers that intentionally do that, like sour beers, which intentionally insert like I think it's like lactobacillus, which is, you know, why they're called lacto fermented beers. It's basically like the same stuff that's in sauerkraut. It's what makes the beer sour. That's that's how it gets like that. And I think that those beers are actually, those beers, if I recall correctly, were a product of, like, before they understood yeast. And, like, they would just leave the beer out to be fermented by wild yeast. And one of the things that always gets in everything, because lactobacillus is fucking everywhere, is that, is lactobacillus. So you get lacto-fermented beer, and that's how it gets sour in the first place. So, you know, all that stuff. But uh, Interesting. Yeah, but if you want to, you know, keep it to just the shit you want in the beer, you have to basically kill everything else with sanitizer and then introduce yeast. But so that's basically like that's the most that's the most stressful and the most work is dealing with the cold side of uh, of the beer process. But, you know, and then the cleaning is awful because if you've never experienced liquid malt extract, liquid malt extract, like if you think molasses is sticky, liquid malt extract is just like the even higher level of that. It is incredibly sticky and when it boils obviously the vapors from the boiling have that sticky malt extractness so it gets on your floors and it's like you just have to like clean everything afterwards and it's like and if oh and god forbid if your kettle boils over oh you're in for a bad time you're in for a very bad time because then <laughs> your entire stove is covered in the stickiest fucking substance known to man <laughs> <laughs> I've thus far been able to avoid. I've been very careful about controlling my boil, but oh my god! Yeah, you haven't had any big disasters. I have had no. I have had no big disasters. But if if anybody listens to this and is interested in home brewing, I'm going to give some tips at the end of this. Like I'll just share my wisdom that I've learned from from doing this already, like to help you prevent you know having any disasters like that, basically. Because <laughs> I've had. Well, let's hear them. Let's hear. Okay, I'm curious. So here's 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 my disaster. So first of all, get a kettle. That is big enough to fit your boil volume. You know, if you're doing if you're doing a partial boil like I do, where you don't boil, like 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 so a full boil, right? Like if you're trying to do five gallons, I think a full boil is something like seven gallons, six or seven gallons, because the boiling for an hour you lose a bunch of. I think it's like I think it's six. I think it's six gallons. You lose about a gallon from boiling for an hour, like hard boiling. 
So, you know, if you're going to do a partial boil, like if you're going to do a three gallon partial boil, get a five gallon kettle. Leave yourself some space, man. (laughs) Because if you boil over, it's going to be a bad time. And then the other thing is as quickly as you possible, if you decide, if you brew one batch of beer and like, you know, if you buy bottles, whatever, bottles aren't really not that expensive, but like if, and I still have my bottles, I just don't do anything with them anymore. If you decide you like beer brewing and you have any money to spend, buy a keg setup. Buy a keg setup. <laughs> because bottling sucks. So the problem with bottling is this. The whole point of bottling is that you need to introduce carbonation in or, like, in the bottles in order to have carbonated beer. The way that you do that is you add essentially sugar or sugar water, really, to to the beer bottle and then put the beer in there and then let the beer kind of ferment for a little bit longer, which basically pressurizes the bottle and introduces all the carbonation. If you fuck up that calculation and add too much sugar, you will create too much CO2 and blow the bottle up. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I've definitely seen videos of that happen. Yeah. Not, and on top of that, even if you somehow managed to avoid that, which I mean, in my first batch, I did. I, I, I think I undercarbonated my beers. I didn't, um, I put them in the fridge after I think like a week, really, you're supposed to let them sit for two weeks, but I, I got scared and I, 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 I popped one open and it seemed like carbonated enough. So I was like, all right, fine, fuck it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick it in my fridge. But then you also have to store like a five gallon batch is essentially a case of beer. It's essentially, it's almost 48 bottles. So you have to store 48 bottles somewhere, which is a pain in the ass. And they have to be cold because otherwise they'll keep fermenting and they might create too much CO2 and blow up your bottles, which gets back to step one. And then also it takes another two weeks. So if you brew a beer, you have to wait basically a month before you can drink it. And I'm not patient enough for that shit. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds, yeah, that doesn't, that sounds way, way harder. So buying a keg and a kegerator setup is so much better because after you're done, first of all, you don't have to fuck around with putting stuff in bottles because putting stuff in individual bottles is a huge pain in the ass. You need to use, I mean, a bottling wand is great and it's a really cool invention. Like I'll, Steven, next time you come up here, I'll show you the bottling wand and basically how it works. But like it's, it's essentially like a tube that is designed specifically that the volume of the tube is the exact perfect amount of headspace. So when you fill up the bottle, you fill it up almost totally to the rim of the bottle. And then when you pull the tube out, it leaves the perfect amount of headspace in the bottle. It's genius. It's so smart. (laughs) But like, fuck man, filling up 48 bottles and capping them is exhausting. (laughs) I mean, you're doing, I mean, 48 bottles is a lot. It's a lot. And a a five gallon (laughs) batch is typical. I mean, there's plenty of people that brew 10 gallon batches. Like, so you'd have to fill up, you know, like oh, 90. Yeah. Yeah. Almost a hundred bottles of beer on the wall. hundred bottles of beer on the wall. Um, beer on the wall. Maybe that's where it comes from. It's horrible. And capping, like, it's like, you know, you got to cap every And like, if you fuck it up, like it's annoying. And it's like, nah, you, so you do, all, do you also need a cap machine? I have, a, I have, I have a hand capper. It's not really like, it's basically just like, so yes, you do need a cap. You need machine. a cap machine. You can't just, yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't just hulk it. I mean, like, unless you have like yeah. super strong, you're not capping things with your hands. You're not capping things with your hands. It's a, it's, it's basically like two levers and it's just like you, it just presses the cap down and, and squeezes. Yeah. It yeah. Up. I mean, yeah, but you still need a machine. For you it. need a machine. You need. Yeah. So more equipment. You need, yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, I have all that because that was, I, I obviously like a keg is expensive, a kegerator, like a fridge and a CO2 tank and all it's expensive, but the nice thing about a keg is basically the, the way that I now do things is, and this is also lead me into my other thing is I basically just like, I have a, um, I have a stainless steel fermenter, which is another thing that I would, I would, I will explain that in a bit, but uh, basically like I just open up the tap on that 
The beer comes out. It goes directly into the keg. I close up the keg. I put it on the, I purge it like uh, of, of air, you know, like, uh, put it on the carbonation and I force carbonate it. And that's the other thing that I would consider you should definitely try doing is if you, if you do decide to get a keg, try force carbonating. Basically you want your, your beer to have an effective CO2 amount in it of about like, you know, like 12 PSI, right? Sure. That's what, that, that's, that's like a normal amount of carbonation for a beer. So what you could do is you could put it on 12 PSI for like two weeks and after two weeks, it'll be carbonated. And that's the normal way to carbonate beer. Or you could force carbonate it, where basically I crank it up to about 30 PSI and I leave it for about two days. And you could actually, you can even shake it up and get it. I mean, there's people that basically what they do is they put it on like 60 PSI or something ridiculous like that. Like put on 60 PSI for like 10 minutes, turn turn off the CO2, shake the shit out of it, put it back on 60 PSI. Because the shaking actually like gets the carbonation through the beer more efficiently. You could do that too. And you could actually, I've seen people carbonate a beer in like a couple hours. Like it could be done. It's really easy to overshoot like that, but it can be done. Um, I just do it 30 minutes, uh, 30 PSI rather, for, for two days, and then drop it down to 12. It's usually a little undercarbonated on the first day, but like after that, it's usually perfectly fine. And that's, then I can drink what- You have to do it for two days? Yep. If I, sh- it's not like if it- I shook it, it would take less time. It's not instant. No. It, okay. It, 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 but like, it's not instant because the carbonation- needs to get through all the beer and it takes time for the carbonation to enter into the solution of the beer. It's it's not oh, an okay. instant process. It's not like a soda stream. <laughs> it's not like a soda stream at all. That's what I'm imagining in my head. No, it takes two days. For me, it takes two days and two days feels about right because I, at 30 PSI for two days, there's almost no chance of me over carbonating the beer, which you could fix, but it's annoying. I'd rather under carbonate it and then like get the rest of the way like over the course of a week versus under carbonate like over carbonating the beer and completely fucking like having to like do a whole bunch of shit to fix that and that's annoying. So then I just yeah then I just drop it down to serving pressure basically the like the pressure that you actually want to serve the beer at that you want it to come out of the lines and then that's it you know mission accomplished. So I suggest that that's it makes things so much easier. And then I would super suggest uh, getting away from buckets pretty quick because I started with a brewing bucket and a an auto siphon to get beer from my from my my fermenting vessel to my keg. And auto siphons are so easy to screw up. They're so annoying. Like if you have any dry hop in there, the hops are going to get stuck in the, the auto siphon and it's not going to work and it's going to be a huge fucking pain in the ass. Oh God, I hate auto siphons. If you can make him work, great for you. But my beer brewing vessel now, I spent some money and I think it was money well spent because it just, it, it, like everything that I've done so far in my beer brewing experience has just been to make beer brewing like less of a pain in the ass so that it's actually more fun to do instead of like an enormous piece of shit. <laughs> because <laughs> the, the problem with auto siphons is if you fuck it up and you introduce air, you're going to get an air bubble stuck in there and you got to fu- somehow get the air bubble out of the auto siphon. And air is horrible for beer. So you end up with oxidized beer and then the beer is screwed up. Um, and so you have like beer that's just like, it's, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass. What I have is I have a stainless steel bucket. Um, I, SS Brewtech is who I bought from. I have their conical fermenter, their, um, their brew bucket, which is great. Um, the conical fermenter, basically what it is, is it's got like, it's got a cone in the very bottom of it. Um, so it's it's on like legs and it's got a little cone to catch all of like the hops and the yeast as they fall out of solution so that they don't end up in your like you don't a- end up actually pulling those into your final beer. And then it's basically got like a little um, it's called a racking arm. It's basically like a little like tube 
inside there that you could that you can actually rotate as you like turn the spigot so that you can get all the beer without getting any of the yeast. And so all I do is I I, I put a sanitized hose on the uh, on the outpost, like on the out spigot of the uh, of the fermenter. I turn a little tap, and then the beer just comes directly out and right into the bottom of the keg. So I don't like. And, you know, like, I don't end up with any any air in there because obviously, like, you know, if you have beer falling through the air, you know, into your keg, that's a problem because then you're introducing, again, a shit ton of air. So, and that would always happen to me with the auto siphon is like, I could like, well, I was trying to siphon the beer, the, the, the little like tube for it would come out of the keg or come up on the keg and I'd end up having beer, a beer waterfall that was, again, oxidizing my beer and fucking everything up. So, <sighs> how much does this whole setup cost? So... $700 Canadian for a kegerator. It was about, I think it was about $350 Canadian for the brew bucket, the, the, the fermenter, the conical fermenter. And then the, uh, the kegs, you can actually buy them used. Um, I have one used one and I have one new one. It's basically the same. Like used kegs are usually pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah. So like keg, probably like another, I think maybe it's like, uh, like 50 to a hundred bucks for a keg. I recall correctly. Um, and then like, plus all the other beer brewing equipment, like you need like a big brew kettle. I think mine was maybe like 200 some odd Canadian for uh, like a big stainless steel five gallon, like stock pot, essentially. That's what it is. It's a stock pot. And then, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, it's, it's not cost effective, like at the very least, but if you enjoy brewing beer, if that's fun for you, the, the thing that takes away the fun is all of the, the shit that makes it annoying, like racking beer from. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Racking beer from the the fermenter into the keg is it's worth. I think it's worth spending money to not have that be a pain in the ass. I think it's worth not having bottling being a pain, especially if you're not patient. Like, I mean, if I'm not patient, so I want my beer sooner. Spending the seven hundred dollars to to get a kegerator was a no brainer for me. Like, if you have the money to spend on that, it will make your life so much so much easier and you can you could drink your beer faster you know and like that's to me that's that's it that's what i want you know um is, is being able to drink my beer sooner because i want to try it i'm interested to see how it turned out that's like that's the fun for me and then the other thing that i would super suggest is so the brew bucket you have there's an optional very cheap accessory which is a a blow-off tube like a blow it's a blow-off arm that you can attach a tube to so you can you can use a a, a regular float valve type thing that like for for um for co2 blow off um because as it you know as it ferments it creates co2 inside of the fermenter and that co2 is uh needs to go somewhere so normally it's like a uh, it's like a it's like a three-piece like i can't remember what the term for it is but it's like a three-piece valve essentially that you put water like sanitized water into and it like it burps well beer as it's fermenting creates a bunch of like foam and if that foam gets into that thing, it'll clog it up. And once it clogs it up, that means that you have a bomb. <laughs> oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. if you blow the, like, so there's there's plenty of videos online of people having to mop their ceiling because they blew the top off of their, their bucket. It's not fun. You don't want that to happen. So, and like, cause what happens, right, is like, you know, the, the little like, uh, three piece valve, like it's, it's, it's in there with a, um, it's in there with just like a rubber stopper and that rubber stopper, if that comes off from the, from the pressure, it'll just shoot beer directly up onto your ceiling and it's a bad time. So what I have is I have a really like the biggest diameter tube that I can get. And, uh, like I think for the brew bucket, it's a half inch diameter. So it's plenty of space. So if, if the, uh, the uh, the foam on the top of the beer, the Krausen, as it's called, 
If the Krausen starts creeping its way up into the tube, it's no big deal. That tube is big enough that it, like CO2 is still going to be able to flow through it, even if a bunch of foam gets up in there. And like basically all it is is a tube that goes into like I, I usually use like a mason jar. Uh, you just fill it with sanitizer. And so the CO2 goes through the tube and then it comes out the other side and it goes into the sanitized liquid. And then that's it. Mission accomplished. Nice. It's real. Yeah. Blow off tube. Don't even don't don't bother putting a normal like, you know, valve on there. Just just put a blow off tube. Save yourself the hassle of ever having to clean beer off your ceiling. You don't want to have to do it. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. It sounds like I'm going to be buying my beer from stores. Oh, still, yeah. Is what it sounds like. <laughs> Much like many things, beer brewing. I mean, so right. Like the. God, this beer is good. Um, Sorry. Uh <laughs> <laughs> much like the oh, you don't say. I, I I I like my own beer, which is part of the fun yeah. of it. Um, but much like the um, much much like many things, like it's it's not actually cost effective. Like I think I spent like maybe a hundred dollars on ingredients for this beer, and I'm getting a five gallon keg out of it. That's that is cheaper than buying regular beer. But I have. With all the money that I've spent so far, I have obviously not broken even. That's not even close. I'm not going to break even for many years. Because I usually only brew maybe like a couple beers a year, like because it's the cleanup is is lengthy, you know, cleaning up the keg is a pain in the ass. Like it takes time, you know, like it's not it's not super, super outrageously fun to do all that cleaning stuff. But like if you if you enjoy a hobby, I think the difference between like a hobby and something that like, you know, like like just like a regular activity you do is a hobby is the thing where you are willing to put up with all the bullshit of it in order to do the fun thing. Whereas most people that just do an act like, you know, going to a, going to a, a, a brew place and having them brew beer at their place. And you just basically mix the ingredients together. You're not doing beer brewing as a hobby. You're doing beer brewing as an activity, which is fine. And that's probably a better way for most people to do it, you know, because that way you don't have to deal with all the cleanup. You don't have to deal with all of like the, the, the all of the effort, you know, they basically just tell you what to do and you do it. If you're willing to put up with all the effort and actually do beer brewing as a hobby, it's really, really fun and rewarding. And there's like such a huge play space in terms of what you could do with beer. But my God, you do have to put up with a lot of bullshit. And it does cost, in order for it to still be fun, it does, I think it costs money. I think it costs money for it to be enjoyable as a hobby, but definitely worth it. Absolutely. So yes, I don't, I, I would not suggest brewing beer unless you really, A, really like beer and then B, really like, you know, like want to be able to create your own beer. You know, you want to ba basically make something that is yours, that you have like, you've said, I want these things in that beer and I want it to taste like this. And then you make it and maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but then you just try again next time, you know? And like, that's, that's fun. If that's not, if that doesn't sound fun to you, you will hate beer brewing. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That doesn't sound very fun. <laughs> yeah. So Man, we've talked talked a lot about beer brewing. That is a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything? Any other questions? I, I know you wanted to know about gravity. Um, I'll tell you that really quick because that's actually, especially now that I have this fermenter, it's actually really easy. Basically, all you do for gravity is there's uh, there's something called a hydrometer. It basically measures the um, the amount of suspended like it basically measures the amount of sugar in. Uh, in a liquid, it's it's tuned very specifically, and basically it's just like a, it looks like a thermometer, and you just drop it in liquid, and it floats, and like where it float, like the line where it floats, that tells you basically what the initial gravity is. So I have like a test tube, and I have a hydrometer. I pour beer in the test tube. I put the hydrometer in the test tube, and then wherever like wherever it it balances, I take note of that line, and I write that down. That's my initial gravity. That's 
the amount of sugars that are currently in the beer to start out with. And then after I'm done fermenting, I do that measurement again. And then the, the, the yeast has obviously turned that sugar into alcohol and alcohol is like, you know, it, it causes the, the hydrometer to sit at a lower point. And so the difference between the point it started at the higher point and the point that it like ended at the lower point, that's, it's the initial and final gravity. And the difference between those is the alcohol content. It's basically how much of that sugar got removed by the yeast and turned into alcohol. It's really easy. And then you get to drink the beer at both stages. So you get to drink the sugary beer at the beginning and see how that tastes. And then you get to drink the kind of proto before it's carbonated final, like warm, uncarbonated beer at the, at the end. And it's just kind of like an interesting thing to do. It's like, oh, okay, this is how it is. <laughs> yeah, I just... I- so you have to compare two different readings, essentially. Yep. And it's also how you can tell if your beer is done. Um, you basically like, you have like a target final gravity. And once your beer hits that final gravity, it might still be fermenting a little bit, possibly. But I usually pull it at that point because I'm, again, I'm very impatient. So like if it's gone two weeks and it's like, it's within a couple of like points of my final gravity, even if it's still bubbling a little bit, I'm just like, fuck it, I'm kegging it up. <laughs> I'm terrible, but there you go. I mean, no, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. So, what else, man? What else you got? I mean, I know we're, we're we're pretty close to the amount of time we wanted to spend on this, but uh, you got any other questions? Any other uh, anything else you want? No, I I learned so much about beer. I don't think I'll remember half of it, but well, you could just listen to this so, podcast anytime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't listen to these. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I know I will listen to these. I, I will listen to these at least two more times since I got I to gotta do the initial run through and then I got to do the check to make yeah. sure that it still sounds good. So I will definitely listen to yeah, doing all the work, <laughs> doing all the work. All right, man. Well, good. hey, cheers. Yes. Cheers. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah. See you guys for episode 10. Episode 10. Oh, my God. It's our 10th anniversary. Yeah, we're already there. Holy I know. crap. <laughs> is that season? Is that season one? Is 10 episodes? Yeah, that's season one. Yeah, there <laughs> nice, we go. Nice. Nice. Season one. Yeah. All right. Talk to you guys yeah. next time.